You're listening to The Nerd Table on CKCC Radio, starring Dan Peck. Have you seen the card for the New Japan show tomorrow? It's going to be sweet. Eric Flores. Wait a second. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, go ahead. And CKCC Radio's founder, Chris O'Mealy. Breaking news. I have a crush on Sasha Banks. Listen to CKCC Radio wherever you find your favorite podcast. Hello again, everyone. Welcome to The Nerd Table. Sit down and join us. I am Chris O'Mealy, broadcasting out of beautiful Pennsylvania on an autumn day where the weather has finally decided to stop trying to kill me with its horrible allergy season. And the heat has finally died down. All the bugs have gone back to hell. It is a beautiful autumn day. Joining me, broadcasting out of Michigan, is my good friend Eric Flores, who is now broadcasting off of Windows 11. Yeah, I mean, how am I supposed to top that? You're having a nice weather and shit, and it's still... I haven't seen the sun in a couple of days. Well, you're the one that chose to move to Michigan, so... I know, but I The sun be doesn't exist in Michigan. This is the 59th episode, Eric. We've been talking about this. I just, I just want some sun. That's all I need. <laughs> well, you're not getting it. No, no. But I'm, I'm doing good. Windows 11 is kind of fun. Uh, it, it's just like I just learned Windows 10, and then, uh, then they released this. And of course, they were like better HDR support. So I was like, "Fuck! I guess I'm downloading it." And now you have so. As long as it's working for you, that's all that matters. Broadcasting out of North Carolina, but originally from New York, we have Dan Peck, of course. North Carolina! Which is... St- as, as FTR says. Is it still hot? No, it's rained all week. That so doesn't... It's actually kind of nice. It's been 70s or 60s every day. It's been pretty nice. Oh, there you go. All right. But Chris... Who is this other person at this table? Yes, we have a guest at the table this week, fellas. Please welcome to the program, making his debut here on the Nerd Table, from the United We Fan podcast, and one of my former colleagues from the old Disaster Studios and the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. Please welcome everyone, Mark Adams. How you doing, buddy? Welcome to the show. Hi, everyone. Yep, I knew Chris when he was a Franken masterpiece so yeah and then you all can have the sunshine of florida we're still uh getting summer temperatures here in the 90s so oh yeah that sounds disgusting what's <laughs> fall again we don't know we're in florida oh yeah florida doesn't have seasons no nope. just hot it's hot and nope. then it's just hot and humid nope. plus there's a whole lot of that's what she said <laughs> Indeed. Well, Mark, welcome to the show. As you know, it is spooky season, and Ooh. all October we've been doing spooky-themed episodes. So as the guest, I want to kick things off, and uh, let's start off our spooky conversation by asking Mark, what are some of your favorite Halloween traditions, some of your, your go-tos for the season? Uh, For me... I love, like, Halloween Horror Nights, a big thing for me, so going to that, and then also, of course, me being the movie nerd I am, I always have, like, my list of movies that I have to watch every Halloween time, and then I do my best to watch new ones, 
kind of struggling with that this year. Um, and oh, and then uh, November first, buying some um, after Halloween candy that didn't sell. That's a good one. So yeah, dude, that's the best. Getting the discount oh. Halloween candy. Almost as good as uh, the day after Valentine's Day sale. That's pretty good too. What even is Valentine's Day anymore? It's a <laughs> it's like a Hallmark holiday. And we don't do anything for Valentine's Day because, like, our anniversary is in March. So we're like, well, we can do something now when all the couples are going to go out and try and do something. Or we can wait a month and do something on a day when no one's doing anything. You know, it, it's yeah. kind of funny that you say that because Rebecca's birthday is in March. <clears throat> so I'm just like, you want a Valentine's gift or your birthday gift? And she's like, birthday. And I forget either, either way. Do you want your birthday gift to be <laughs> slightly better because I didn't get you something for Valentine's Day? <laughs> You're lucky she doesn't answer with both. <laughs> Meanwhile, Dan's over here going, do I get a birthday gift or a Christmas gift this year? Hey, because my birthday is 10 days before Christmas, I get to actually get away with the combination gift. You know, these kids that are born in May trying to pull that shit, that ain't happening. Dude, I've done the combo gift thing in no- from November to Christmas. If I really wanted something that was big, I'm like, do a combination birthday Christmas gift and just give me that. That's and, what I and, want. And you go, the entire family pulls in on both. And give it to me during Hanukkah. And then that's how Sometimes that's Hanukkah how starts before my yeah, Sometimes Hanukkah starts before my birthday, so I'm okay with that. That's <laughs> <laughs> Hanukkah. Hanukkah. You sure about you sure about that? I have no idea. <laughs> Dude, I don't know. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm not up on my Hanukkah days. Wow, dude, someone's an anti-Semite. Like, isn't that yeah, isn't sure. that one of those holidays where it's different? It slides around. Starts? Yeah, because it follows not like, a different it's calendar. Not like Easter, where it's like a month apart between the days. There have been days when there's been it's been snowing on Easter, and there have been days when it was so hot that I wanted to die. Funny story. No, anyway. <laughs> Funny story. I actually literally died on Easter. Uh, we could talk about dogma if we want to. <laughs> that breaks oh. one of that breaks one of my rules on the channel. I've always said don't talk about religion on the channel, but you can talk about movies with religious themes. If we really want to review Passion of the Christ, we can do that. I've never seen that movie, and I don't want to. Uh, uh, same. In the theater. Oh, fantastic! Yeah, that was that was a brutal theater going experience. All right. Mark, you're a big movie guy. This is something. One of the first things I ever learned about you is you're pretty much you're pretty much a one man Siskel and Ebert show with uh, your movie <laughs> reviews, and you you're also one of the really few- not as douchey as them. Well, well, no. R.I.P. Both of them. Yeah, both of them uh-huh. actually. Uh, Gene Siskel died before he got to see episode one, and Roger yeah. Ebert's like he would have loved it, and I'm like, well, maybe I did. There was a really good uh, Roger Ebert documentary about him, and it was interesting to see. Um, he even knew he was a prickly attitude, but yeah, I checked out that. It was kind of good to learn what went into him, and there's also an interesting book about him, but that's if you give a shit. Uh, no offense to the memory of Roger Ebert, but I wasn't that ingrained in his yeah. personal life to... Pay that much attention to him. I'd rather read Leonard Maltin's memoirs. 
Uh, no, I oh, ac- yeah. actually no. <laughs> right, Charlton so, for Chris. <laughs> so, Mark, you're one of the few people I know who really goes out of your way to see a lot of what's in the theater. Like, I always see, I you, always see uh, you post about thank you a list. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that's that's actually really cool because you have very similar opinions in movies that I do. So I usually are like, okay, well, Mark's seeing this. I want to know what he thinks of it because we have very similar tastes. So if you like it, there's a good chance I'm going to like it. And if you didn't like it, there's a good chance that I'm not going to like it either. I mean, obviously, it's not always the case. We all have different tastes in things, but. I was, I was just trying to think. I, I don't ever remember you and I, like, disagreeing on something. Um, our good friend Justin die him and I used to be really good and then we kind of parted ways. So I was trying to think if you and I have ever disagreed on anything. Well, when you came to hang out with me a couple summers ago, we uh we had a couple of long car rides together and we would we would get into debates but we weren't like actively arguing yeah. about anything. I remember you uh you just got mad because I always said the Dark Knight overall was overrated and that is an unpopular opinion. It's a very unpopular opinion. And yeah. and that's fine. I embrace that. But that's one of the only times. Yeah, we usually... And we've seen several movies together. In fact, you and I got to watch Ghostbusters on the big screen, which was so much fun. Because I freaking love oh. that movie. Speaking of Halloween traditions... Oh. There's, a, there's a perfect one right there. Um... And before we went on the air, you mentioned one of my favorite movies that you've made a Halloween tradition, They Live, which is... Yep, Piper. Absolute classic. One of the best fight scenes in any movie, by the way. Not today. Which was very improv. Yeah. I told you, put on the glasses. (laughs) That is a fantastic movie. Um, well, and then you learned about how Piper, oh, man, he kind of thought it was based on a true story, and oh, Lord, yeah, there's <laughs> some fun behind the scenes of that one. Well, having met Roddy Piper more than once, <laughs> and have I've had conversations with him, and I have no problem believing, I love that man, I have no problem believing he would have bought that was a true story. Do you have I, a favorite Roddy Piper match? I want to hear that. Do you have a favorite Piper match? Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, let me think about that. Dan, Dan's another resident wrestling guy here. What Dog about- collar match against Greg Valentine at Starcade One. Oh, that's- oh, Starcade! Wow, that's a good one. Yeah, dude, Starcade '83. Dan was the only one alive when that came out. <laughs> Jeez. We, we weren't yes, even no, born. No yet. one else in the world was born yet. No, just you. <laughs> I can't. I can't wait for Jeff to put in the comments. Hey, I was alive. <laughs> and Sam Rossi, if you're listening to this, we know he'll he'll chime in on that one too. Oh yeah. <laughs> Sam's older than Jeff. Uh, Roddy Piper. You know what just came to mind? Uh, Piper versus Brett at WrestleMania. Was that seven or eight? That had the Piper Brett match. Dan, help me out here. Uh, oh, seven was LA. Eight okay. was in the Hoosier Dome. Mm. That might help you because it was in a tiny arena in LA because they couldn't sell out the Coliseum. <laughs> well, that's unfortunate. Uh, 
Am I remembering it wrong? I remember like one thing Roddy Roddy Piper was, he was in Alcatraz and he was doing an interview from like a prison cell. Yes. And WCW. I think it was that he was yelling at pretending Hogan was in the toilet at one point. Was it Hogan? I don't know. I mean, I just remember that. That was funny. That also may not have been improv. That might have been Roddy Piper actually in Alcatraz. And he might have actually <laughs> thought Hogan was in the toilet. He might have actually <laughs> thought that. So it's foreshadowing Hogan's career. All right, Eric, do you know who Rowdy Roddy Piper is? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> nope. <laughs> Sorry, Eric. This has been a very, very quiet moment for me over here. <laughs> do, you, do you know who Brett the Hitman Hart is? I do. Okay. I do. Now we we like to we like to laugh because Eric has some some knowledge of wrestling, but he really doesn't. And every now and again, he'll some some of my favorite feedback we've gotten from like from like Hannah and Miranda and Katie have always been like, "Yeah, we know as much about wrestling as Eric does." I'm like, "Do you know who Rey Mysterio is?" And they're all like, "Nope." I'm like, well, Eric's got you beat there. <laughs> I know who a few people are, but every time I hear one of these crazy ass stories, I'm just like, I really need to watch this shit. <laughs> would you Would you like to hear a story? I have a story. It's not. It's not a Vince McMahon story. It's not a Vince McMahon story this time. No. Uh, so Reg Park just passed away, and he was famous because he designed the Winged Eagle Championship belt that was really prominent. Oh, yeah. Dan, what what was that era? That was pretty much like the... That was mid-90s. Mid-90s, yeah. Like, Brett's main era had the winged eagle belt. And then I think they retired that right around the time the Attitude Era came around. Uh, they like, I believe when Austin won the title and was given the title the next night on Raw, it was the new title. Right. So one of my favorite Reg Park stories doesn't even involve Reg Park in it. <laughs> this one. Yeah, you know, you Dan already knows what story I'm about to tell. <laughs> Bret Hart tells the story. So everybody knows that Owen Hart was a notorious prankster. And one night, Stu Hart, the Brett and Owen's father, the famous Stu Hart from Stu Hart's Dungeon. Uh, Eric, if you're not familiar, Stu Hart sired 12 children. All the boys became wrestlers. All the girls married wrestlers. The only reason I know that is that documentary show you showed me, Chris. That's the yes. only reason I know that. Yeah. What, the, wrestling uh, with Shadows? Wrestling with Shadows, which is brilliant, by the way. But, uh, so... Owen was infamous for pulling pranks, and he, he pulled a prank call, and he calls up Stu from the hotel room. Stu's staying with Brett. So Brett's telling the story from his point of view. He answers the phone. He's like, hey, Reg Park's on the line. He wants to talk to you. And they've known him. He, Reg and Stu knew each other years and years and years ago. Now, at the time, Brett Brett's like, well, it was Owen, but I didn't know that. I thought this was Reg Park. So he hands the phone to his father, and he said, Owen's doing this perfect impression. And he's like, hey, it's good to see you, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden, he notices his dad, like, gets up and he's pacing around the hotel room in his nightshirt and everything, just like getting all worked up because Owen's on the other line going, how come you never had the balls to fight me, Stu? <laughs> and then <laughs> the famous line is Stu in his, in his Stu hard accent. He's like, well, Reg, if you wanted to try me, why didn't you try me? And he said it went on for so long. And then all of a sudden Stu just slams the phone down, looks at Brett and goes, that goddamn bastard Owen got me. <laughs> That's one of my favorite stories. He said, he said, apparently Owen couldn't keep it together anymore. His dad was getting so worked up that he just lost it on the other end. He's probably two rooms over with Davey Boy. Yeah, probably. <laughs> you know the story that they pulled on uh, Jim Cornette, right? Where they told him Stu was on the phone? Uh, Do you know that one, Dan? 
don't so, think so. So into the room comes Owen Hart and Davey Boy Smith with like an arena phone. They're at they're backstage at one of the arenas and they've got like the red telephone with the cord going around the wall. They're like, Stu's on the phone, he wants to talk to you. So Cornette picks up and he hears, e- Jim, it's Stu Hart. And he's like, yeah, everybody in the business does a great Stu Hart impression, but Bruce Pritchard does it the best. So he's like, I already know it's a prank because there's Owen, there's Davey, and there's a cord going to nothing. He's like, so yeah, I know this is a prank already. And Stu's upset because they're doing an angle on TV with his daughter Diana and they're portraying her to look like some kind of whore, as Stu kept referring it to. And he's like, why they gotta treat her like some kind of whore? And Cornette's like, I don't know, but you know whose fault it is? It's that damn Bruce Pritchard. He's into all this weird, erotic shit online, and he looks up all these filthy websites and everything. He's like, you wanna go talk to him and chew him out. It's his fault. And Stu's like, okay, I'm gonna do that there. And he hangs up the phone, and Cornette's like, Who the hell was on the phone? And right as he says that, from the other end of the room, in walks Bruce Pritchard with a stack of papers and had no idea what was going on. So he's just like, ah, son of a bitch, that really was Stu Hart, wasn't it? (laughs) And of course, that's the first thing Owen and Davey Boy just look at him and then they start laughing because what else are you going to (laughs) do? Owen Hart's story is always correct. Can confirm they call him Hoors over there? (laughs) Hoor? Hoor? I spent spent a year in Alberta. (laughs) Yeah. Who were? And I almost laughed when a guy was in the middle of a speech and he used the word who were. Do they ever say it that like, way on Letterkenny? Who uh, I don't know. I mean, there, but Letterkenny takes place in um, Ontario, so. Uh, different Canadian accent. That's you know, like there's, a, different, there's different regional, but there is an overall. Well, Alberta's more like prairies, right? Yes, it's prairies. Yeah. Oh God! Another geography lesson on this show, dude. We need to just get <laughs> we need to just get Carmen San Diego at this point. Because I, I have a globe. Actually, I don't anymore. Never mind. I don't have a globe. <laughs> okay. <laughs> How old I have a cell globe? phone. Is that okay? That'll be my yeah, that globe. Works. I have Apple Maps. Is that There's an app on there. No, it does not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I love I love using a. Google Street View, when I when I looked up the uh, hotel I'm staying at in Philly, the first thing I did before I booked the room was I Google Street Viewed it to see where the parking was. Because it's, it's in the city, so I want to make sure I can yeah. park. And they're like, hey, we have our own parking lot for guests. You just pay whatever, and you can bundle that with your room. And I'm like, I will do that. So, ah, so, so I can just park there. On Google Maps, you can see my mother's car. Uh, on Google Street View, you can see my old Jeep parked in front of our house, and then if you go to my old job, my Jeep is also there. Ooh. But my new Corolla is nowhere to be seen. That's Does pro- it truly exist? I think it's just in my mind. I don't. I actually didn't drive a car today. I don't know how I went to go get my hair cut. For the record, I got the, the Haunted Mansion reference. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. Okay. Just like came and went. I was like, nobody, nothing. All right, we can move on. <laughs> so, uh, I'll tell a fun story, a fun uh, Mark and Chris story on here that uh, that you guys will both appreciate. But we came up with a running joke years and years and years ago. I think this might oh, have Lord. been back at Disaster Studios, actually. That's um, what I'm thinking of. It is. Yeah. So. You guys 
did, did either of well eric eric you'll know this dan i don't know if you would know this but they had a twister ride at yeah. at universal although it wasn't a ride it was more, a ride it was more of a walkthrough experience yeah <laughs> where they yeah. just blew some wind around and they created a, a simulated tornado, which I admit was is kind of cool, but it's just a walkthrough thing. So it wasn't the most popular attraction, but it did have Bill Paxton. And, and air conditioning. Yes, and yeah. that, that is crucial, because those tornado winds felt really good on a hot July day. So <laughs> I remember opening Greeter at Disaster. It's 7 in the morning, and I've got sweat dripping down my head, and I'm like, it's way too early for this. What is wrong with this state? <laughs> but uh, Mark and I came up with a joke, although this is more Mark than me, but I've, I've kept it alive for a, probably longer than he even remembered it at this point because I loved it, where we determined that every attraction in Central Florida would be better if Bill Paxton was part of it. Yep. And the, the one we came up with was Haunted Mansion. We're like, is this haunted room actually stretching or is it the Paxton? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Definitely was, some very. There were some very cheesy pickup lines about Bill Paxton and the finger of God. Uh, yes, we we turned the finger of God into more than what I think it was supposed to be. Although that line itself is just cheesy as hell. Anyway, the F five is the finger Chris, of do you, God. Do you remember um, the Radio Code ninety six? Do you remember that one? Yes, I do. This leads to a story. This isn't just a random pop quiz. Um, do you remember so? Attractions over there have leads. So it's kind of like a assistant manager for everyone listening out there. And you go out there and you help your attendants out. And Chris, you were there that day. And, and I know it because it popped up on my Facebook memories where <laughs> I was asked by an attendant to 69 her out front. And the poor thing meant 96 her out front. But she said 69 on the open ops channel for the whole park to hear and one of those people who could hear it was the chris o'mealy and um that was a uh running joke for a long time with that man yeah because i was in tower that day so you you can hear the radio a lot better when you're in the control tower because there's nobody else up there and it's quiet in between shows like so a I, yeah, I would have been like, she cute at night giggity giggity goo. That night when I had to report my hours for the day, uh, everybody was real quiet until um, my uh, total hours for the day were uh, 72. Of course, someone goes, you sure it wasn't 69? And, oh, my God. That that was not that was me, funny. for the record. <laughs> I don't. I no. did not say that. I don't know no. who said that, but that's funny. All hey, right. s- speaking of Universal, Eric, did you hear that Shrek 4D is closing down? Oh, yeah, man. you told me, and I was just like, ah, oh, this is it's so sad. I was there <laughs> when they had one theater. I was there when they made the second theater. I was there when I punched somebody in the face, and now it's going away. <laughs> Eric's last day at Universal. Butterfly effect. All because of that one punch led to Shrek closing. Oh, you, you one punch me? Yeah, I one punched him into a d- deportation. <laughs> well, then, I mean, again, you don't hit people, period. But I was also a minor working at a theme park, so yeah. Mm. So, like, 
they you had you pretty much had to get fired, but at the same time, he pretty much had to get punished for what he did because he hit a minor, and he wasn't American, so that was the end of that guy. Yeah. Could you imagine him having to tell that story later? Like, how come you you got you got kicked out of the country? What did you do? I spit on a minor. No, because they never tell the story the way it actually happened. No. Of course not. Of course not. Oh, no, this guy at freaking Universal was being a bitch, and I called him out, and he got me deported. <laughs> and he got me deported. Yeah. Yeah, but what did you do wrong? Nothing. Ex- did you not hear the story? Did you not hear my part of the story? So I did nothing wrong. God. Tina, get the food. <laughs> I said you Shut up, Meg. <laughs> Shut up, Meg. <laughs> yeah. Ah, oh, man. So, yeah. So, so this is how often our uh, conversation gets sidetracked. We were asking Mark about his Halloween movies, and somehow we got on to <laughs> – Somehow we got we – We're six, bringing it back. We bringing did, it back. We did six degrees of Shrek 4D right here. So, <laughs> all right. So, uh, other, other Halloween traditions, Mark. How about horror movies? Because I know you're you're bigger on the horror movie scene than I think most of us are, including myself. But I know you've got a couple of favorites. Yeah, and I always I always try to um, expand. Like, you know, oh man, I felt real old when I was working at Movie Stop, and you had those young people coming in wanting scary movies, and you try to recommend older ones, and they're like, "No, that one's stupid." I mean, my niece recently. <laughs> I love her, but, oh, man, she made me feel old. Um, I was like, uh, she wanted to go to Horror Nights for the first time. So we went, like, two weeks ago, and she's asking about scary movies that she should be allowed to watch. And I was like, okay, well, what about, like, the Halloween movies? She's like, I want to watch the new ones. They look good. I watched the first one, and it was really slow and stupid. And I'm like, I hate you. You're not related to me. No. You are, but I love you. No. So I... (laughs) So I, you are I'm off the Christmas her, card list. You know what though? But <laughs> she, she will always be. I always will love her for many reasons, obviously. But for one of the good ones is she loves Indiana Jones, and she also loves the young Indiana Jones. So she will always, always have a special place in my heart. Besides blood and all that. But anyways, <laughs> um. I try to broaden my horizons. I, um, you know, I love classic ones, black and white ones, um, and I, I mix it up with '60s and '70s. Some of them, you know, they're not always winners, and oh man, some of them are bad. But I always, always on Halloween, like Ween time, I have to watch. And like I said, variety. Um, John Carpenter's The Thing is a must watch for me. So is uh, Jeff Goldblum's <laughs> Mel Brooks produced The Fly. <laughs> um, I always have to watch the original Halloween. I watch The Exorcist. I always watch the extended one, like the one, what is it, the version you're not meant to see or whatever. I always check that out. Um, Dead Silence, that one is the reason I moved. That movie is the reasons I moved to Orlando. So kind of like <laughs> Chris, without Dead Silence, we would have never met. Um, well, how about that? And Dawn of the Dead, that's on the list. Um, yeah, I Rocky Horror Picture Show, that's on there. So um, Psycho, I, I've I've got a long list. I already watched Jaws, love Jaws. So I've got a long list of Halloween movies. Um, shout out to Hell House. 
LLC. It's a little independent one. It's kind of like a found footage about this group that goes around to different like creepy places, turn it into a quick pop-up haunted house. And of course, something always goes wrong. It goes wrong. But I think it's a, it's a trilogy now. But the first one is so good. So Hell House LLC, if you're looking for something that's not on the radar. Yeah, every time I hear Hell House, all I think of is the reference in The Simpsons when the church gets turned into the Hell House. Or yeah. more uh, accurately, the Heck House, as they call it. Yeah, I, and I mean, I do still watch, like, I catch a couple episodes of Tales from the Crypt, Alfred Hitchcock. Oh, my God. I'm gonna, here's another old man story. So Halloween Horror Nights this year has a street called um, Crypt TV. It's a YouTube thing. I didn't know it. I had to look it up when I saw the announcement. But at first I was like, oh, sweet. They're doing a street based on Tales from the Crypt. And one of my younger coworkers goes, no, it's just a uh, Crypt TV. And I was like, oh, so like, I guess they're trying to make it like hip, like said Tales from Crypt. He's like, I, I, is that like an older TV show? I don't know. Like, but no, it's like based on like a YouTube show. And I'm like, based on an old, Get off my lawn. So, <laughs> God. so but yeah, um, you know, Hill House, that's a popular one. That one's fun. I just finished Midnight Mass. Have any of you checked that one out? Uh, I have not seen that. Definitely. It's, uh, do we do spoilers on here? Do we want to do spoilers? You want me to keep it like spoiler free? Uh, how new is the movie? Uh, I think it came out last month. It's TV series. Mm. Do spoiler free. Uh, I got we'll do, this. Let's do spoiler free. Free. It's it's a new twist on a classic like horror trope. So that was fun to see like their um, adaptation of that. But oh my god, is that show depressing? And think of the mist. Like, Ugh, if I try not to. Going, <laughs> if if I I got mist vibes from that show just. It's about its um, kind of attacks on religion mixed with horror, mixed with how people are just awful. And then the show ends and you're just left depressed, wanting to just watch something happier so that you feel better about your life. Oh, it's Midnight Mass. Oh, fantastic. Show. Well, you, you certainly hyped me up to watch that. I mean, I think uh, you I... just described my normal day. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> Maybe watch that one. Borrow one of Chris's cats and watch Midnight Mass. <laughs> now, Eric's got his own cats he can have fun with. Yeah. And, a, and a puppy. Yeah. Uh, um, if you need like a recent horror movie to watch that I dug a lot, um, Invisible Man, I think it came out last year. It's like a remake remake. That was actually really darn good. So Was that the one um, that was supposed uh, to be part of like the new MonsterVerse? No, 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 no. This was um, Blumhouse. When Universal's Dark Universe fell apart, Blumhouse bought the rights and made their own Visible Man. And it was, okay. it was good stuff. But um, Chris Wan just did um, a movie called Malignant. And I, I dig his movies, well, for the most part. Um, he did a movie called Malignant. That was just god-awful. Don't watch that one. You know, it's funny yeah. you mentioned Malignant because I've heard – Two reviews from Malignant, and it's kind of 50-50. People either think it's brilliant, or they said the same thing you just said. <laughs> I, don't, I, I haven't seen Middle Ground on that one. I, I, like I said, I love the director. 
you know, he did Dead Silence. He did The Conjuring. He did Insidious. Uh, he did the Love It or Hate It Aquaman and one of the Fast and Furious movies. And when I heard he was going back to his horror roots, I'm like, all right, good. You know, like, Conjuring 2 was okay. Conjuring 3, like, man, uh... And then I saw this one. I off okay, and then oh my god, it 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 I, it, I laughed out loud and not in a good way at this movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I my thoughts. There's there's been a couple of well, somebody just brought this up the other day, and they got mad at me for for talking about it. But somebody talked about. One of my friends, I'm not I'm not going to say her name because I think she might listen to this. And I don't want her to feel, feel bad about this. No, I don't want we'll, her to we'll feel stay. bad. Look, we'll just you look her in the eyes when you say this, Chris. Relax. We'll no. call her Meg. He, okay, we'll, Meg. We'll call her Katie. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it's not Katie. It's actually somebody none of you know. So we're not we're not playing that game, Eric. <laughs> we're not we're not insulting Katie just yet. We're not there yet. Oh, okay, all right. right. We call, her, call her Meg. That way, it'll make it easier for okay. you. Okay, so Meg you know posted. I will call Katie Meg. No. Oh. <laughs> all right. We're never. Sorry. Katie's never going to appear on Park Hopper now because of you. Or she's going to show up. She's going to be like Eric. You're a jerk. And I'm then just preparing her for for what's going to happen. <laughs> I think we've prepared her enough based on <laughs> just our existence. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, we love you, Katie, but Eric and I will always love you. Please don't get too mad. Anyway, so Meg was posting about, like, horror movies that really scared her and goes, oh, you know what movie freaked the hell out of me? Darkness Falls. And I'm like, well, you have just said the keyword. My least favorite horror movie of all time has come up, so now I'm going to comment. And then people immediately chimed in, and they're like, you know, that Tooth Fairy was scary as hell. I'm like, the fact that you just wrote Tooth Fairy is the entire reason we're having this conversation in the first place. It's I... Just a... <sighs> Falls is... It has not aged well, but man, I remember a long time ago, that was a fun horror flick for me. Yeah, a lot of people seem to agree with that, but not I, uh, Like I sir. said, I, I hadn't watched it, and I'll give you this, like I said, it hasn't aged well. I go and I watch it now, and I'm like, when did that come out? Early 2000s? I was like... 2003, 4 era? Yeah. yeah. And that's why, like, I try to, whenever I review a horror movie, I try to go... All right, let's start. Is it scary? And, you know, you can always hear when people jump or see people jump in the theater. So I'll give like a it – didn't, it didn't get me, but other people in the audience. So if you're like easily startled, it'll get you. Um, is it jump scares? Is it tension scares? So I always try to like – that's why – because you have different people who want a different kind of like what kind of scary is it. So whenever I review a horror movie, I always try to like – Give them a heads up. Like, you're going to get some jump scares. You're going to get some attended jump scares. You're going to get some headaches. You know, so, yeah, yeah, I mean, there's... So, in my horror reviews, my horror reviews always have the eye rolls. If I make it through a <laughs> horror movie without an eye roll, and you did all right. <laughs> there you go. That's like a... Yep. 
<laughs> that's like a, that's like the ultimate like horror snob review too. Like, how many eye rolls did I give this movie? <sighs> I used to be oh, really. And then bad. you do the then you do the yeah you got to get the sigh in there too the. Ugh. I I used to be real bad in a theater. Somebody would do something, I'd put my hands up. I'm like, what are you doing? Like the disappointed dad. Like, what are you doing? Come on, you're doing that. Like, just where, where, where's your head at? Although there are times in life where you have to own that. Oh man, did I just do that thing that I make fun of people in a horror movie? Like, I'll just I'll hear a noise. I know. Well, at least I think I'm alone in the apartment. And I'll just be like, hello? I was like, oh, god dang it. Did I just ask the suspicious noise in the other room, hello? <laughs> oh, man, I did that horror girl thing. Did it say hi back? Because that might be a little more suspicious. Oh, out comes a cat, just, like, looks at me like, meh. I'm like, oh, you little. <laughs> did the cat say hi? I mean, I mean yeah. you know, and it's on the way of, meow. My cat screams in the middle of the night. <laughs> yeah. My cat's like, it lets you know whenever it poops. Oh, yeah. Like, I have poop. Yes, that's the song of my people. They're big fans of the musical Cats. I swear they sing memories every night. Ugh. So my wife works from home and she does the, she'll put on the TV, like the YouTube videos that they make for cats with like, the birds on the screen and we've got pictures of Perry like sitting up on the TV stand right in front of the screen with like his little paw up on there. Lily doesn't care. Lily Lily just look by and be like, "Eh, whatever." And just you can't get her to do anything, but Perry, he'll react to everything. That's my boy. He, he really is that he really is my boy. <clears throat> Cuz he's got the exact You're my boy, Blue. <laughs> yeah, you're my boy, Blue. He's got the same ADD I have, so I knew it. Oh, hey, look, a shoe. (laughs) Chris, let me ask you this. This is a fun thing we do on United We Fan, where we, like, come up with Rushmore's. Do you have, like, a – this? now, don't think of it as, like, the best. What are your, like, what's your Rushmore of four favorite horror movies? Okay. Uh, Well, first one on the list is OG Halloween, 1978. That's the very first one I'm going to put on there. Uh, second one's going to be The Shining. Because those are my two uh, favorite horror movies. Yeah. So I wish I could have done that episode with you. I know. I know. I wasn't even planning. Would have been, who... been that guy who would have been like, I don't get the appeal of Stanley Kubrick. Go ahead. No, that's fine. Uh, and he, we, we, did, we actually talked about what a nightmare he is to work with because that's well known. All right. We've done 108 takes. Yes, but we need to do another one. I need one more. Show me the baby. <laughs> I want to see the baby. I don't know why that reminded me of Stanley Kubrick. I just went with that. <laughs> Imagine if Stanley, Stanley Kubrick played the client. <laughs> I would have. Or Tarantino. I could have seen him in that role. Tarantino on The Mandalorian. Oh. Uh, uh, with his, like, rambling, like, yeah, yeah, like, show me the baby, yeah. <laughs> or Christopher like Walken. Probably the heart must... No, that was, like, the worst, like, Tarantino. <laughs> no, Christopher it's Walken all, on it's the... It's all wrong. It's all show wrong. Me the baby. I'll stab you in the face on Saturday night. And I mean, a lightsaber. 
What universe is this? I gotta have some pie. We could use a little more Christopher Walken on this show. Franken Kane masterpiece. Dude, I miss that disaster ride. I really do. Mark, do you know my my Fast and the Furious ride story? I may have told you guys too, but I don't know if Mark's heard it. Have I told I you guys that story? <laughs> yes. I don't. Did, think did I tell so. you? Okay. Went okay. To the family room. All right. So, uh, two thousand had to have been eighteen because nineteen we went down for my birthday. Eighteen and Vivian and Matt, if you're listening to this. Remind me if I have the year correct. That was the year we went to Horror Nights together. And Fast and the Furious Ride had replaced Disaster. That was one of the things that I knew was a new attraction. Now, I had come down the previous year to do Horror Nights, and I spent the day at Universal, and I did all the rides that had popped up since my last trip to Disney that I didn't get to do. So I did uh, Kong Skull Island. I did... Um, I did Gringotts because that was new. I hadn't been to that area before. There was a bunch of stuff that was new that I I had to go on. So I I made that a priority. I was like, I'm going to do everything that I need to do because that's kind of the crucial thing here. The only things that were new when I came down last time was Hagrid's Coaster and the Fast and the Furious ride. Because I haven't been down since Velocicoaster opened. So... Hagrid's Coaster, two thumbs up. Fast and the Furious ride. So, my friends, and if you're listening to this, I love you guys, but I'm still mad at you for this. They made me go on it because they knew I loved the disaster ride, and they knew I was mad about the ride's existence. And one of them, Erin, if you're listening to this, had already been on it. And she knew she was going to get a good reaction. Yes, I will name drop her. So they dragged me on this thing. Now, I'll admit, the little pre-show thing with the comedy dude was kind of entertaining. That ride. So you get on the train, and then you it's just... a party bus. And then you just watch action around you on screens. And Vin- talking about Fast Furious, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. The party bus. Say and- party bus, Chris. No. And and the goddamn party bus doesn't do anything. It doesn't do a thing. Maybe it rocks back and forth? I don't know. It doesn't move enough to require seatbelts on the ride. And at one point, Vin Diesel jumps onto a helicopter, and he's three times bigger than the helicopter. And then somebody's like, well, maybe it's just one of, like, a helicopter drone or something. No, don't yeah. justify I this. It's a drone. I asked about it. It's a drone, but go on. Appar- apparently when the ride stopped, they all looked at me and whatever look I had on my face, they thought that was the funniest thing they'd ever seen. <laughs> I don't know what look I had on my face, but apparently I was incensed about what happened to my poor disaster ride and my face's reaction told the story. It's probably the same like every like 90% of everyone else has. Of disappointment. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Also oh, covered in mist. Boy. <laughs> yeah, we lost Beetlejuice and Disaster for that. <sighs> yeah, we did. I am... I am disappointed. 
<laughs> I am yeah. I am disappointed. Yeah. Circle back to your Rushmore. You have uh Oh yeah, I only completed Halloween. half the statues. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all right. Halloween and The Shining would be the first ones. Um okay. when it comes to horror movies that I really love, I guess it depends on what you define as horror. Because the next movie that I want to put on there is Silence of the Lambs. Which isn't technically oh, horror. horror thriller. It is a thriller, yeah. I mean, he eats a man's face. He ate a man's liver with some fava beans. Yeah, I go by IMDb. IMDb, whenever I do my polls, I go by IMDb and it has it as it has horror with it. So Okay. Cause I absolutely love that movie. I think that is I don't get scared watching Michael Myers or Freddy Krueger or Jason Voorhees, but a thriller that could actually be happening, that'll actually, that'll get me. You know, The Shining, yes, it has the paranormal stuff going on, but you have to put yourself in that situation. You're trapped in a building with a guy who went insane and he wants to kill you. That's scary. Like, movies in general don't freak me out especially horror movies because i know they're 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 designed to try to freak you out so i can't put myself in a mindset to be like vulnerable or whatever but what always gets me is the news and i think the the scariest thing that's ever been told on the news to me is when i was living in florida and on the news all i saw or like there was like a headline saying there was a man who ate another man's face in Miami. <laughs> I remember I was still living there when that happened. Yeah, that was Miami. Yeah. And I was this just was like, the, the 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 bath salts guy. Bath salt guy, right? Yeah. 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 So I'm just like, oh great, zombies. Dude that's fucking perfect. Florida that's Man perfect. would make a better horror movie than any horror movie that's ever been released. Change my mind. <laughs> You're not wrong. Okay. The last movie I would put on my Mount Rushmore is a tough one, because it's between two. It would have to be either Shaun of the Dead or Army of Darkness. I thought you were going to say Shaun of the Dead for your last one. I would I would probably put give the edge to Shaun of the Dead. Yeah. But I love Army of Darkness. The Evil Dead trilogy is that rare trilogy where, for me, it gets better with each film. I love the first one. Then the second one parodies the first one, and I'm like, this is brilliant. And then the second one's like... Fuck it, we're an action movie now too. <laughs> and you, you catch the remake? No, I didn't want to. It wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. Like it's definitely bloodier. Yeah, it doesn't do anything for me. Gore. The TV, TV show, show is brilliant. Oh, the TV show is amazing. The movie. The TV yeah. show is amazing. The movie was okay. The movie remake's okay. I have not seen that. I have not seen the remake of Nightmare on Elm Street. Ugh. I have finally watched the Rob Zombie Halloweens. Uh, first, I saw that. Yeah, the first one, I, I'll give it credit. It was creative. I, I don't like some of the choices they made. I don't want to feel sympathy with Michael Myers. I don't think that was the point. But I, I didn't have an issue with it. The second one was just garbage. But I think if everybody agrees, Zombies Halloween 2 was garbage. I will say, though, yeah, that... Yeah, he even... Had... Yeah. Well, he wasn't he supposed to do it. They, the studio was like, well, we're doing it anyway. He's like, well, I'm going to do it because you're going to mess it mess it up. And then 
he was like, yeah, I think we all just messed up on that one. Yeah. Well, yeah. he's doing the monsters now, so he's going to have fun with that. I'm okay. I like that idea. Little monsters here and there. That's good stuff. Now he gets to work with actual Dracula. <laughs> actual Dracula. A good song. I play a, I play a snippet of it, but I don't want to upset the folks out oh my there God. in Actually, internet land. I, I have a story for that. There's a show at Horror Nights, and that song comes on, and you see all these people. Oh, man, you you ever like go to a concert or you hear a song come on, and you see some people that are enjoying it, and you go. You don't know this song. Like, you don't, you act like you appreciate this song, but you don't really know what this song <laughs> is and means to us fans. Like, when I saw the, like, the audience, the real, like, chill people jamming out to that song, I was like, you don't know what you're celebrating. <laughs> oh, I got offended. I got offended by it. They would never dig through the ditches. <laughs> you don't know what it's like. I will say, that was how I felt when I first heard Flogging Molly, but Ooh, it has grown yeah. on me. I, I'm with you. Flogging Molly, everyone was like, hey, check out Dropkick Murphys and Flogging Molly, and I was like, okay. And it grown on me, but at first, I, I, I felt like a poser just liking it because everyone told me to like them. I think that's the thing, though, right? Is like, you have to f- find your own way to like something that's been recommended to you. I there have been a couple of things that like uh, I'm trying to think of a specific example of something maybe like somebody recommended to me recently and oh I know um, when when Eric when you and Matt had me start Yu Yu Hakusho because you said it was the good of all animes and I was enjoying it but of course you know I've got Matt up my butt like how you liking it how you liking it and I'm like all right, you got to let me figure out my own way to like this. But I did. Mm. And then when I did, I, I understood and appreciated it. And I watched the whole series. I'm like, that was really good. I'm very glad I watched that show. I really liked it. Yeah, you got to find your own way to like stuff. Right. Yep. I mean, you, <laughs> and then like letter candy. you get to that point. You get to that point where you're just like, you know what? I don't care what people. People want me to like. I'm going to like whatever I want, and I don't care how embarrassing it is. I'm going to like it. Exactly. Exactly. We all like something that's like somewhat of the unpopular thing. Oh, man. I'm like learning more and more that I have unpopular opinions about what I like. <laughs> I mean, we all kind of do. Yeah. What if you guys, I'm sure, like something that is probably considered unpopular. You got like a movie that you're <laughs> like, yeah, I love that movie, but everybody else seems to hate it. Or women. <laughs> <laughs> Just the overall concept of women? Just the overall concept. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what a blank statement. <laughs> do, do, do women find you off-putting, Eric? All the time. <laughs> Can we can we get your fiance to to step in and answer that and see how? Uh... No, uh, no, nope, leaving that one alone. <laughs> gonna, you know why? Because I know I know what she's gonna say. 
I know What's very scary well. is that I don't. <laughs> so I'll just leave that alone. You know what I'll never forget about Rebecca? This one of my favorite quotes from her of all time was at my wedding where she's like, I actually put on a dress for you. Yeah. Because <laughs> she doesn't like to get dressed up. And I'm like, am I supposed to be flattered? And you're just like, trust me, this is like really complimentary. <laughs> and you guys yeah. were just started dating at the time too, which I was like, you know what? I'm going to take this as a win then. I will take this as a win, and uh, we'll move on from that. Dude, that was a banner year, 2013. I got married, and I started podcasting, because two months later, Dan and I got together with another friend of ours, and we're like, we're going to talk about wrestling. Is that and... 2013? Yes, sir. Wow. Did that make you feel old, too? Because you were at my wedding. I was. I saw, like, my wardrobe for that wedding i was like man i tried to look italian to fit in with the italians i did not pull off italian <laughs> best part pulled was off some, pulled off like someone trying to be in an extra on the sopranos that's, that's what i look like well <laughs> best part well it's not like joey image could have dressed up italian for that he was one of my groomsmen he had to wear what i told him to wear but yeah i, I did I, I do tell people about your um <laughs> the menu for that wedding. I was like, man, that was one of the best menus ever for a wedding. So I've got I've got two two big things that always come out from the wedding is people either talk about the breadsticks or the cake. Those are the two things I love hearing about. Joey Image still to this day talks about the breadsticks at the wedding. He's like, oh my god, those breadstick things were fucking amazing. I'm like, the breadsticks? Where? The breadstick things. I second that. It. And then our friend... They were. Our friend Josh, my friend Vivian's husband, he's a professional baseball player, and my entire claim to fame in his semi-famous life is that we had the best wedding cake he ever had, and he still talk. Vivian's like, yeah, he still talks about the cake to this day. I'm like, we got the cake at Publix, <laughs> but <laughs> there you go. Apparently, that's where the ultimate wedding cake comes from. Fuck See, I told you that it's being made right next to their pub subs. Yeah, pub subs. Chris, being like you guys, uh, being from up north, uh, where does the pub sub rank for you all up there? Is it top five? Listen, hmm. I don't get pub subs anymore, but <laughs> pub subs is like it, it's the goat. I had a pub sub on Monday. I thought about moving back to Florida just so I can have some more pub subs. Dude, you could just come <laughs> here. There's, there's Publix here, and I don't have to go that far. That's true. Do you want to go back to Florida, Eric? No. Fuck no. <laughs> Compromise. Go to North Carolina. No, you know what? Uh, we actually do have some good sandwich places in Pennsylvania. Uh, we recently discovered, I mean, I say recently. I'm sure it was a couple years ago now. But, like, there's a place called Stauffer's that makes really, really good sandwiches. And every now and again, my wife will be like, I'm just going to go to Stauffer's and get some subs. And they're first of all, they're friggin' enormous. So... That's that's the entire meal right there. You don't need anything. You don't need chips. You don't need nothing. My favorite subs have been from grocery stores. Yeah. Like the Wegmans growing up in central New York. Like, yeah. I mean, there were times on my lunch break in the warehouse, because I had the hour lunch break, I would drive to the giant supermarket. I would grab a sandwich. I would grab, uh, they had the, um, uh, I think it was the Panera bread mac and cheese. I would bring that back and microwave it. Or they'd have like the chicken tenders that they would make there fresh, and that, and then I would get 
So it was always a combination of something like that. And then they had like the Amish blends of potato salad and macaroni salad. So I'd get a little carton of that. And that was my lunch. And I would just go to the checkout line, pay for my stuff, drive back. And just have myself a meal while I watched whatever show I was binging at the time. Which was probably Letterkenny, now that I think about it. Because it was the guys at the <laughs> warehouse that got me to watch that, so... So I was probably like that was oh. about two years ago, right about now. I think. Are we do? Are, sorry. So we're on the food portion of the show now. Are we all agreed on this? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'll I'll throw one in there. I think the only one that tops public subs for me is Jersey Mike's. Jersey Mike's is good. Um, I've, it's I've so also expensive. You got Yeah. Be, no my, arguments there. My only complaint with Jersey is Mike's. That- is yeah. they're a little too liberal with the oil and vinegar, and the, the subs can be very, very messy. You have to specify to make it light, because if you don't, you're going to get a very wet sub. <laughs> they cut down on the amount of meat and Lord. cheese they put on them a few years ago. That's Chris, pretty, you know, I never knew you were such a quitter, asking them to tone it down. Good Lord. <laughs> Man, when you ask for Mike's it's way, you little... Mike's way. <laughs> Mike's it's a little way. too... You make it like a diet juice. It's a lot. And uh, I just, I don't want to like drink my sandwich. I want to eat it. And Exactly. I don't want <laughs> to drink my can sandwich. You, like, maybe, can you lighten it up, please? Thank you. You know what? I eat. Call what it I a man witch, Chris. It's a man witch. You're a man witch. <laughs> oh, thanks, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> How do we get on man witches now? I, I haven't had a man witch in a couple of years. I could go for a minute. Yeah, we got your we got your horror movie Rushmore, and then we ended up on subs. And we start talking. Yeah, well, welcome to the dinner table. This is how. This is how the conversation goes. Have we ever had Eric? When's the last time we had a plan on the show? Um, (laughs) what year is it? (laughs) (laughs) I don't think we had a plan since like before the fucking pandemic. (laughs) The show didn't exist before the pandemic. Yeah, the show started (laughs) exactly into it. I think we were talking about it, and that was our plan. And then when the show started, that was it. Well, if this was a video episode, you guys would have just seen a guest appear on camera, because I have a lily on my lap. So welcome to to the show, sweetheart. Uh, Nobody can see you. Yeah, on my lap. I'm gonna... I'm petting my kitty right now, and she is just looking around like... She has no idea what's happening. Is that what your kids call it these days? That's what I call it, damn it. Yeah, no, the big thing for me hasn't really been the subs. The big thing for me getting back to the Northeast was the the rediscovery of real pizza. Because that doesn't mm. exist anywhere else in the United States of America. Now, all right, and I've said this before really? and I'll say it again. I don't even have that. People, I you don't even have that. You literally <laughs> have to get people who grew up there, moved somewhere else, got sick and tired of it, decided, fuck it, we're going to do it ourselves. And right. then find that pizzeria. <laughs> Now, here's the thing about about the New York-style pizza. I think I've told the story before, but it's been a while. So uh, when my friend Laura and I went to Little Italy to get a slice, we were hanging out in the city on a cold January day. You went to Sabaros for an authentic New York slice? Hell yeah! (laughs) Here's the thing, though. When you get to Little Italy, you go into the cafe, they give you this pizza, and I remember I'm eating the pizza. I'm like, this tastes exactly like Frank's Pizza. Up in Vernon, New Jersey. <laughs> so, like, it tasted exactly the same. Like, so what's special about this New York slice that differed from 
the slices that I was used to. And then, of course, people are like, well, you know, in, in Lancaster, you're pretty far away from New York City, so you're not going to get good pizza. And then we tried the pizza here. I'm like, no, this is pretty damn good. <laughs> so I think they're like, you know, it's the water that they use. I'm like, no, it's the people making the damn pizza. That's exactly what it I is. I do remember that, like, one hole-in-the-wall place you took me to when I visited for pizza. And it was good, and, wasn't it? Like, it wasn't that's what I'm saying is, like, I didn't even need a big, like, well-known place. This thing was, like, small, side of the road, side of a building, and I was like, man, this is good. Those are the best. Um, you always want to find, like, a mom-and-pop shop yeah. that, mm -hmm. that's barely going to pass the health code inspection. <laughs> that's, that's where the good food is. <laughs> it's barely in business. That's the thing, and I when I, when we when the food conversation comes up, and I'm like, I don't think people understand how much good influence we have in Lancaster because there is a melting pot of cultures here. You can get great pizza. You can get diners that are just as good as Jersey diners, and everybody knows that like New Jersey is the diner capital of the world. They've got tons of them, and trust me, there's nothing quite like Disco Fries at 3 a.m. in a grease trap Jersey diner. But I can get that here. People are like, well, gonna, it's still not authentic, but I'm like, it's still good. I'm going to share an experience <laughs> that happened to me here, which is I went to this place to get a burger. And then the person is just like, well, we have these really good vegan burgers. Do you want one of those? And I was like, no, I want what I just fucking asked for. <laughs> that's the kind of thing that happens up here. That I sounds... didn't say it like that, but that's what I said in my head. Maybe I said it out loud. I don't fucking know. I just wanted a normal burger. I believe I you said that out loud. <laughs> I can't. I believe I you say that out loud. <laughs> maybe. But like, they they have good food here, but it's all healthy food. Faced it, definitely. After a while, I'm just, I just want shit deep fried. Can you, you just want to go to mom's spaghetti? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I need to ask you about that. Are you going to go to mom's spaghetti? Of course I am. <laughs> That's awesome. You have of to review it. I yeah. Once once I, I you gotta get them rabbit meatballs, bro. I ah, oh, that's so awesome. That first of all, it's great that that even exists in the first place. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm also jealous that like, if you were there opening day, M would have actually served you your spaghetti. Mm. Eric, do you know the you, tale? It would be easy. It would be easy for you to lose yourself in the moment if uh, M and M served you. Well, I'm well, not. You better never let it go. Well, I'm not afraid. Yeah. Uh, Eric, do you know this? Do you know the story of Hulk Hogan's pasta mania? No. <laughs> I love that Dan just starts cracking up. That's how you know it's going to be a good story. Hulk Hogan opened his own pasta chain in the Mall of America in Minnesota. In and Say that again. You broke up on me. Sorry. Yeah, well, I'm telling a Hulk Hogan story, so he's probably trying to sabotage me right now. <laughs> well, talk about me, brother. <laughs> yeah, Hulk Hogan opened up a pasta chain in the Mall of America, and it failed miserably because all he was basically doing was selling Chef Boyardee at $10 a bowl. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Gonna have the Hulkaroos. Yeah, Hulkaroos was the specialty item, and I don't even know what the hell that is. I think it was SpaghettiOs. But basically... <laughs> And my favorite thing was uh, when when that got inducted into WrestleCrap as one of the, the failures. And they're just like, 
you know, kids may have been dumb enough to pay $10 for a bowl of beefaroni, but adults sure as hell weren't. <laughs> but you know what? I consider Hulk Hogan a genius because he knew how he knew he could sell his name on crappy pasta and make money off of it. Did for a while. I also ate at the WWE restaurant in New York one time, and it was awful. It was That's a thing. It was. Oh, oops. It very, it very did horrible business because Vince McMahon's brilliant idea was to open it in the center of Times Square, which is the most expensive place in the world to open a business. Yeah. So it had outrageous rent. The food was awful. And it was like a $3 burger for $25. Pretty much, yeah. And I remember, like, that was like the thing. I don't remember why we were in the city for that particular trip. Because, like... We I wouldn't have gone unless there was a pay-per-view Sunday or they had an event going on there. Well, my, my family was... The was fun or no? Kinda. They had some cool oh. stuff to look at, and they would play clips and stuff from videos, but it... It was almost like, you remember what Planet Hollywood was like? It was kind of loud. Yeah. And after a while, it was just kind of sensory overload, and you're like, all right, I'm kind of over it. That's kind of how it was. Times Square is already sensory overload as it is. Uh, My favorite favorite story about Times Square is my wife talking shit about it. Because we we went to the city to go take my wife to a Broadway play, and... My my dad's trying to like show her the highlights, and he's like, "You got to go to Times Square. You got to see the big ball that dropped for New Year's." It's you know, it's February, so it's still up there. Obviously, actually, I don't think they ever take it down, but it's still fresh. I think and they leave said. it. So like, walk into Times Square, and he points it out, and she just looks at it, and she's like, "That's it. I thought it would be bigger." <laughs> <laughs> and my dad thought that was the funniest thing in the world because you know, grow, growing up in that part of urbanized North Jersey, you've you know, New York City is a huge influence on everything, so he didn't exactly grow up with a fond memory of, of the place, and he's not a big fan of the hustle and bustle of the city. That's why we I grew up in Vernon. I grew up in the mountains. <laughs> so anytime anybody would talk trash about New York City, my dad would appreciate it. Every time. It's like when you go to Mount Rushmore and you realize how small it really is. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it's humongous, but like, but you're also very far away from it. You also like you all the pictures you see are like helicopter pics, and it's like right up on it when you're actually there. It's way off in the distance, and it's way up in the air too. It's way up too. That was the cool thing. Like when we went to the Grand Canyon, it was really cool to see the Grand Canyon. But after a while, I'm like, okay, so I've seen it, and I've taken my pictures, and what now? Oh, they're also very smart. In order to get to it, you have to go through the gift shop. In order to get back out, you have to go through the gift shop. <laughs> there you go. You ever been to, like... Surprise, Disney hasn't done that. <laughs> I mean, I-, I love talking about, like, the historic landmarks that disappointed me, like L.A., where it was just a smog-covered skyline. And I'm like, I see the L.A. skyline. It's very yellow. This is awful. <laughs> But I, I'd say um, I'm trying to think like when we were in Europe, I don't remember anything actually disappointing me. But I remember hearing a lot of people be disappointed by. Oh, I remember the thing that disappointed all of us. The Mona Lisa. Mm. 
Isn't it very small? Yeah. That's, that's one of the things. Like a lot of things are way smaller. Okay. The poster I have, see. the poster I have on my wall of Sasha Banks is bigger than the Mona Lisa. And that's a regular standard ass poster. And the other thing is the Mona Lisa is behind like bulletproof glass with a guard. With a security guard, and there's still a velvet rope that you can't cross. And everybody's just gathered around taking pictures of it. And I'm like, that's the Mona Lisa. And it's in the Louvre in Paris, which is the greatest art museum in the world, right? And there's thousands of art to look at. And everybody's gathered around this small, dinky painting of a girl who doesn't even have an expression on her face. And, like, you walk out of that tiny ass little room and you walk back into like the giant hall that they have just lined with paintings and portraits and you look around you're like, and I'm like, literally everything I'm looking at is better than what I just saw. Literally all of it. Wow. It's a hot take. It is like the Venus de Milo is there and wing victory or, um, ah, what's the, the name of the statue where it's, it's basically like the angel wings on the body, no arms, no head. I can't, I think it's wing victory. It's, it might be called something different. The Venus de Milo, like these beautiful statues, right? That look really cool and they're big. And then there's the Mona Lisa. And I'm like, wow, this sucked. Because then you can sit there in front of like this giant ass portrait of a Renaissance painting with a bunch of people in it. And it's just fun to look at. And you can stand there and study it forever. And then you turn around and you see the crowd of idiots. I'll be like, that's the Mona Lisa. I'm like, what about this? This is gorgeous artwork. On the flip side of that, the statue of David is gigantic. Because <laughs> we, when we were in when we were in Florence in Italy, we saw the statue of David, and that thing is enormous. He's a big you mean boy. Florence. Yes, <laughs> it's that thing's friggin' enormous. So Which I'm, his daughter? I'm thinking. I'm thinking. No, I'm not thinking about that, Dan. <laughs> Because it's not, and you know it's not, because you can see it. He's got big old balls. Got washboard abs. Yeah, he's a, he's a big old he's boy. Got, he's got Kid Goku's wing. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> there, there, speaking, of, speaking of horror movies, I liked the original scary movie where they, they show the guy's steroid-ridden genitalia. In the locker room, he starts freaking out about it. He's like, hey, this isn't funny, all right? This is a serious problem. It's not the it's not the size of the hammer, it's the nail you're throwing it at. There's a there's an underrated appreciative movie. You know, everybody likes to reference Scary Movie 2 because of the, the my strong hand and all that. But mm-hmm. the original scary movie is the best one. I think People need to go back and watch that one. It gets forgotten. It does. But I mean, then again, it's awful, like spinoffs and sequels. So yeah, yeah. At least the second one had Tim Curry, so that's a thing. Yeah. <laughs> See, we 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 found a way to circle back to that. It's like, man, we really did go from subs to the Mona Lisa, and how many moves? <laughs> Yeah, that's, uh, that's the whole point of this show, really. <laughs> Did I mention I punched a guy in the face? <laughs> <laughs> it literally went from Chris talking about petting a cat in his lap to, I don't give this 
that shit about the Mona Lisa. I don't get the hype. I got a cat in my lap. It's cute. Yeah, that cat's long gone. She got she had enough oh. of me. She got her three pets and she is done. Oh, she got way more than that. She was up here for a while, but I'm not. I wasn't letting her up onto the desk. She likes to get up on the desk and sit up here. But when I'm recording, you know, I've got the microphone pulled up, the keyboards pushed back, stuff's rearranged. There's nowhere for her to go, and I kept pushing her back off, and she gave me the look, <laughs> and then she just walked away. And that's the end of that. Mm. And then, and You're then, and then Perry ate Eric's shoe. <laughs> we still, we still talk about that, by the way. Shannon and I will occasionally bring up that story, Eric, just so you know. <laughs> like, remember the... that one time? <laughs> Perry ate your shoe. Yeah, because Shannon was mad at him and you were laughing. <laughs> I needed new shoes anyway. <laughs> Perry Perry understood that and he wanted to help you. He's a very, very smart boy. <laughs> yeah. I love cats. Cats are awesome. Cats are and they dance, 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 and they dance, dance, dance. I love when I when I do those things on Facebook where I'm just like, you know, what, you know, post a, post something that you associate with me, and I'm like, all right, what's going to come up first? It's going to be cats, Reese's cups, and The Simpsons. Ah, there they are. All right, wait, wait, wrestling shouldn't be too far behind. There it is. Hey, I embrace my I embrace my loves. Embrace it, Dan. I think I posted. I posted uh, Taylor Swift for that, I think. And you're not wrong. I think I did T-Swift. By proxy, I am a fan, and I don't have a choice. I would have put uh, Big Bang Theory, but, you know. Big Bang Theory is a good one. We have the themed clue. We have that. I mean, there's there's a lot of fandoms you can associate me with, some more than others. Like, everybody knows I'm a Star Wars and Harry Potter guy, but I'm not as hardcore as other people are. So, there's stuff that I love, but I'm not going to know every character's backstory and every origin and all the outer stuff that comes with it. You know, if, if J.K. Rowling tweets something that happened in the future, I'm just like, well, I'm, I'm assuming that's canon. But <laughs> I hardly ever remember. One thing I get really excited about, though, is when I'm like... Hey, what music do you do you guys think I listen to? And people will immediately <laughs> pull Weird Al out, and I'm like, "Yes, okay, we're on the same page now." Yeah, definitely. Oh man, I I do think of you whenever I hear Weird Al on news. I always think of you. You should. That that is the correct response to that. I love when. Okay, so this this made me laugh. But at New York Comic Con this year, the the exclusive Funko Pop is Stupid Sexy Flanders. I don't even know how many people tagged me in it at this point. But I am so I'm I'm so happy. Yes, Mark, you were you were actually the first one. And then the rest of them that you were the first one, and then the rest showed up. And I'm like, you know what? It makes me very happy that you thought of that and thought of me. I'm glad that I've got that's my influence on on everyone. (laughs) Is is that, yep, you see Stupid Sexy Flanders, and you're like, Chris would appreciate this. And you're right, I do. And I know people are there, and no one's getting me one, so I'm about to I'm about to defriend all your asses. You ain't getting me a Funko Pop. Call me your friend. This is Xavier Woods went there dressed as Miss Trunchbull. Yeah, but I'm not expecting Xavier Woods to pick up a Stupid Sexy Flanders Funko Pop for me. Well, just, just went, ooh! And he'll do it. <laughs> 
I mean, maybe, but I'm not holding my breath on that one. Alright. Conventions are fun. We've all done them. Who's who's met somebody famous that exceeded your expectations? That could be a fun topic of conversation. Okay. All right, Dan, you're out. Have you met anyone famous, Dan? All right. You met a celebrity that exceeded your expectations. Um, if we're doing like conventions, it was Doug Jones for me. He um, plays Abe in the uh, first two Hellboy movies. He's in almost every Guillermo del Toro movie. He played um, Billy the zombie in Hocus Pocus. Yeah. Um, he he one of he's one of the sweetest human beings in the world. Um, I got to have a great conversation with him. So, and at the time, he loved my beard. So, like the picture of him is with me is him, <laughs> kind of like <laughs> playing with my beard. It sounds weird, but at the same time, I was like, "Man, this is great. This guy is like so down to earth and chill." That's awesome. Yeah. Okay, Doug Jones, humble, great performer. He's in uh, was it Star Trek Discovery? He's in that show currently. Yeah, he's the. Tall alien. Yep. Eric, what about you? <sighs> I'm trying to think. Yours like, is probably going to be a park story, I'm assuming. Yeah, like I don't really have anything from conventions. Oh, look, um, he's going to be Orlock and Nosferatu. <laughs> oh. James James okay. Arnold Taylor is fucking fantastic human being. If you know who he is, he's the voice of Obi Wan in the Clone Wars. Yes. Oh yeah, that guy. Yeah. Um. Outside of voice actors, I don't know, Neil Patrick Harris is pretty chill. He's actually yeah. real chill. Yes, we all have a Neil Patrick Harris story from working there. Yeah. So. Okay. It really is. Every cast member has. I feel like one Neil Patrick Harris story. Because we've all. When when I met him, I had heard Mark's story about getting a high five from him, so I was like, maybe maybe I can do the same thing. And then he gave me a high five, and I'm like, well, you'll just high five anybody, won't you? I, I called him Princess, gave him a Muppets sticker, and then he watched my Muppets pre-show, and I made him laugh, and he wanted to know that he thought I was funny. And I uh, said thank you, closed the pre-show doors, and then I went and I sat down and had a moment. Uh, yeah, I'd have a moment, too. I feel like I need to talk to you and figure out when you had worked at Muppets at some point. Uh, that, that was... Um, was it before late, 2014 late? or after? Yes, yeah. Yeah, I left there in uh, 2012. Oh, okay, so never mind. So now. long ago. Yeah, Eric, when were you at Muppets? 2014. Oh, that's I went right. over the movie ride. I, I did uh, that whole section over there. That's right. Uh, I'm a Muppet. We're part of Deep 3D Tricks. <laughs> I love that show. Chris, I posted it. They, Walter and Statler are my, my favorite Muppets. Um, easy. Yeah, who's, oh, your favorite, who's your favorite Muppet? Guys? Statler and Waldorf. That's his. My favorite's Animal. Good one. You got a favorite the band, Doctor Teeth. That's right. 
you're a Dr. Teeth guy. I don't I don't know, man. Like it really Peter just Shaf. Just say it. Rizzo? No, Gonzo? <laughs> you're a scooter guy. <laughs> He's not gonna admit that. <laughs> I don't know. I think I like Beaker. That's a good one. That's a good one. Who is is in canon related to Seamus. Ugh. God, why? Why? Oh, sorry. I missed the latest family reunion. <laughs> we reviewed that on our on our patron show. We reviewed the, the Muppets episode of Monday Night Raw, mm-hmm. which had Kermit the Frog called Vicky Guerrero an old lady. Because he assumed that that was Jack Swagger's mom. That was funny. The, the special guest bellkeeper was Animal, and he just wailed on the bell as much as possible. And then the audience didn't react when they did the classic Muppet gag, because Fozzie and Gonzo were backstage, and they attacked Gonzo and stretched his arms out. And Fozzie's like, Gonzo, are you okay? He's like, how'd those guys know I needed a, a spinal adjustment? This feels great. And nobody in the audience laughed. I'm like, you uncultured friggin' swines. Ugh. Classic Muppet gag. <laughs> No one's laughing. You watch the. I feel like they really watch Muppets Haunted Mansion yet. Not yet. That's on the agenda. But I did watch the Lego Star Wars thing. Oh, yeah, that was good. They need to bring the Muppets back. They keep trying, and and you know it won't fail just because we won't let it fail. Like there's so many people who love the fucking Muppets that even when it does fail, it doesn't fail. I didn't. I liked everything. I've liked all of the returns. <laughs> Exactly. I love Muppet Treasure Island. Love Muppet Treasure Island. Hi, Megan. I hope you're listening to this. We've had long conversations about Muppet Treasure Island. I mean, love the, Muppet Treasure Island. I mean, the best Muppet thing of all time is obviously. Obviously. Uh, I like Muppet Christmas, Christmas Carol. Carol. Christmas Muppet Christmas yeah. Carol. Yeah. Hands down. Yeah. It's the no. best Muppet anything ever. It's the yes. best Christmas Carol movie. Yes, it is. But we, everybody talks about it. We all know it's the best. Not enough love is given to Muppet Treasure Island. Yeah. It deserves more love. Okay, but we need to like not talk about Christmas now because we still haven't made it through Halloween. Well, the trees are up in the stores, Eric, so I'm just saying. <laughs> they really are. I went to Home Depot the other day for work reasons, and then I saw all the trees, and I thought to myself, oh, that'd be pretty nice. And then I was like, no, wait, what am I doing? You know, I'm just going to say that that's why Nightmare Before Christmas is amazing. Because it's both. Maybe it's Nightmare Before Christmas's fault. Because hmm. no. we didn't have any of that shit before. That yes, we out. did. That's how he got inspired. That's how Tim Burton got inspired. He saw Christmas stuff up next to the Halloween decorations. And that's it inspired him. The stores. Commercialism and early Christmas gave you Nightmare Before Christmas. That is canon. I never want to hear another complaint about it again if you're a Nightmare Before Christmas fan. <laughs> you know what? I'm, every time I see somebody bitch about Christmas coming early, I'm going to be like, are you a Nightmare Before Christmas fan? If they say yes, I'm going to hit them with that and be like, okay, cool. If it wasn't for this, you wouldn't have gotten this movie. So shut up. Jeez. Am I done I ranting? Mean, Christmas is the king of all holidays. No, I'm not done ranting. But Hey, Dan, when does Christmas hype start? On Boxing Day. Absolutely. That is also canon, by the way. 
All right. I mean, it's canon to my life. You know, I used to think <laughs> oh. Boxing Day was actually about boxing. Oh, I was just like like, like fisticuffs. Yeah, like fisticuffs. <laughs> so the day after Christmas, Eric just runs outside like Russell Crowe. Oh, I'm gonna fight someone now. Well, I thought like you know all these sports have their different seasons, and I just like it's a weird time for fucking boxing. But okay, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, everyone's home <laughs> for the holidays. You get presents, and somehow you're pissed off, and you want to fight. All right, I make sure make sure you leave out cookies and beer for Mike Tyson. Oh wow. So just saying, he's gonna come down the chimney tonight and punch somebody. That's canon, right? I have no idea. What is canon? You know, it's canon. Game of Thrones. Oh, God. <laughs> are you, are you a Game of Thrones guy, Mark? Did you watch it? Uh, I I am a big Game of Thrones fan. Um, I was I was disappointed. Probably the last. Well, don't spoil Two nothing yet. Yeah, well, don't spoil. No, no, I'm not going to disappoint. I'm just going to say, you know, um, they they, they took up. extra time to end perfectly. No, they they took they took the extra time to end it perfectly. It did not, and but I mean, hey, you might enjoy it, but. That fan base, though, I tell you what, people go on about Star Wars fans being toxic. Game of Thrones fans have to be top ten for like toxic fans. Uh, I agree. Uh, we were like, I I will admit I'm part of that too because I was so disappointed in it. But I have to really look back at it and and think to myself, it's still better than How I Met Your Mother ending. Well, way to Ooh. set the bar low. Oh, better than that ending, yes. <laughs> Way wow. to set the bar low. All right. Dan, let's continue your journey through Game of Thrones. I believe you have finished season two. Yes, I have. Okay. So where we left off, you had watched the first two episodes. So we're on What is Dead May Never Die. So, of course, we got to have Cersei talking about the war. And Sans is going to marry Joffrey. And then Shay shows up, and she's like, I'm going to be your new handmaiden. And you're like, that's a lie. You're a whore. She's some kind of whore, as Stu Hart would have said. Whore? And then one of my favorite parts. Tyrion's just like, I'm going to share plans with Pycelle, Varys, and Baelish. Yes, this is very good. Because we're going to marry... We're going to marry off Cersei's daughter to blah, blah, blah. And he tells them each a different person. So, so we he... can find out who racks him out. And it's that damn Grand Maester Pycelle. It was him all along. It was Agatha all along. We're going to talk about that after this, by the way. We got to talk about, we got to get hyped for some stuff that got announced. But yes, yeah, so of course Pycelle's like, okay, yeah, but, uh, you know, Cersei, uh, John Aaron knew about you and Jamie. And then Tyrion's just like, hey, Littlefinger, um, why don't you go talk to Caitlyn and be like, hey, you need to release Jamie? Because Tyrion's trying to save his brother. Yeah, he might be. Oh, I, I, I love this because it's, um, of course, if, if any of this happened in the last 20 years, cell phones would render this entire plot useless. <laughs> Pretty because much. Because yeah. this entire season 
is on the overarching thing is whether or not to negotiate for the return of two girls who aren't even there anymore. Exactly. To a town that doesn't even exist anymore. Exactly. So beyond the wall, we've got the Craster stuff with Jon Snow. And he's like, I want the Night's Watch off my land. And that's when Lord Commander Mormon's like, you know, I already knew this guy sacrifices all his sons, but he's indispensable to the campaign. And then Sam's like, I'm going to go back for Gilly because the Night Watch isn't going to return to the wall. I'm going to save her. And then Bran's got the dream that he is Summer. Summer, you dumb bitch. Not that Summer. <laughs> no, wrong wrong show, sorry. Yeah, no, but Bran knows that uh, Bran is having dreams where he is the dire wolf. This is key, by the way, Dan, if Bran's becoming an animal. That's actually, that's actually something that they're going to flesh out in the third season. What's the term for it again? Help me out here, guys. They have a term for it where you can basically, you can fall out of your own body and take over the body of an animal. And Bran is going to be revealed to have that power. What do they call that? I can't remember, but I don't know what you're talking about. It begins with a W. I know it's not a wraith or any. It's not a wraith, but he's an animagus. Yeah. Well, no, <laughs> no. He's not serious black. He's not turning into the. He's not physically turning into it. He just his eyes go milky white, like he's dead, like his legs. He's Jordy LaForge. All right, we'll go with that reference. <laughs> uh, we have Caitlin showing up at Renly's camp. And that's where he's like, I've got a new wife, and it's Marjorie Terrell. And I'm going to give a shout-out to Chris Decker here, because I know he's listening. Chris Decker is on Team Marjorie all the way. We've had that conversation before. I am, um, currently. Yeah, yeah, well, <laughs> there's a reason for that, right? You also got to meet Brienne of Tarth in this episode. Yes. As she beats freaking Loris' brother. Yeah, she beats <laughs> the shit out of him. And then she joins the Kingsguard. She does a wonderful job in the Kingsguard. And then Renly is supposed to consummate his marriage with Marjorie, and that's when he can't do it. And she's like, you know, I know that you and Loris are a thing. But if you need him to get you started and then you finish inside me because you, you need to have a kid. Basically, yeah. That's what will bring everything together. <clears throat> and then Balon Greyjoy gives Theon the alternate. You either serve the Starks or you serve me. And he's almost going to warn Rob, but then at the last minute he's like, Yeah, he nope. even writes the letter and then he burns it. And then he burns it. And then the last thing you get in this episode is all about Arya Stark. And she's talking to these guys like, this is how I joined the Night's Watch. And the Lannister men show up and they're like, give us Gendry. And then the Night Watch men end up dead. And Arya gets to save the prisoners. And one of them is Jochen Heiger. And that's an important character. He's going to come back. Yeah, that's some weird shit. Yeah, he has some weird shit going on with his thing. And she loses her precious sword needle to Polliver. Yeah, that's going to happen. Like, a, take the survivors here. And then Polliver wounds the guy. 
And then he's just like, <clears throat> hey, that's Gendry. And then Arya's just like, yes, yes, that's Gendry. And now we, we're teasing what's happening next. So Yeah, they, she tells him that the, the, the dead kid is the guy they were looking for, so they stop going for the other guy. Smart. Very, smart. very smart. So now we go to the Garden of Bones, episode four. Rob defeats the Lannister reinforcements. He saves the town in the Westerlands. And then he has a bannerman named Roose Bolton. You're going to want to remember the Bolton name. Because he's got a bastard son that might be a problem. Because And notice when he goes, I want to flay and interrogate the prisoners. And Rob's like, no, we're going to give them fair treatment. And that's when he meets... Talisa, the nurse. And Rob is a little smitten mm. with her. A little. And she is not into him until a couple more episodes from now. <laughs> <laughs> so, Joffrey hears that Rob was victorious, so he's like, we're going to have Sansa get publicly beaten. But Tyrion and Bronn come to the rescue, and they're like, yeah, we're not going to do that. And Bronn's like, I've got an idea. Have the prostitutes Roz and Daisy go to Joffrey. And Joffrey's like, okay. Uh, We're going to get some of the venom out of him. Like, holy shit. Yeah. So what Joffrey does is we learn that this kid's into some deep shit. Because he makes one of them beat the other one up for his sexual amusement. And then Lancel shows up and he's like, hey, uh. Cersei has ordered that Pycelle's to be released. And Tyrion's like, uh, yeah, well, I'm aware of your affair with Cersei, but we're going to keep the truth from Joffrey in exchange for Lancel becoming a spy for us. A lot of spying can go on. This should be Spy of Thrones at this point. Game of spies. That's what you do when you don't have an army. You got to... Yeah, you get the bald guy with no genitalia to do all your spying for you. Apparently he's really good. Which is the weirdest thing because like the character I like the most is probably the biggest scumbag, but the character I like the least is probably the most actually trustworthy character. Okay, well who are they? Now you have to reveal. I know. I fucking love Littlefinger, and he's (laughs) proved to be a scumbag over and over again. (laughs) My favorite, the least. The one I like the least is Varys, and I think he's been proven to be the most trustworthy this entire time. Dude, my favorite was when we were watching the Bohemian Rhapsody movie and uh, Aiden Gillen's character gets thrown out of the limousine. And my wife goes, Littlefinger just got Littlefinger, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> that was one of the best parts. Uh, Arya and Gendry and Hot Pie, still one of the best names for a fictional character in history, by the way. Uh, they get brought to Harrenhal. With the Lannister garrison, and there's the friggin' mountain. He's torturing and killing prisoners because he wants to know about the Brotherhood. And there's Tywin. He's like, nope, put the prisoners to work. And this is a girl, you idiots. Yeah, and this one's a girl, you dumbasses. Now he's the cupbearer for Tywin. Uh, We also get some Danny stuff again because she arrives in Karth. They welcome the Mother of Dragons. shit. Fucking holy fucking shit, Karth. <laughs> Karth is pretty important here. <laughs> this is the Garden of Bones. It's this brutal-ass desert. And they're ruled by the 13. 
And they're like, you know what? For shelter, we'll give that to you, but we want your dragons. She's like, you're going to attend to my people first. And they're like, uh, nope, we're going to abandon them in the desert. And Danny's like, all right, well, I wouldn't, uh, wouldn't go for this. And then one of the guys is like, hey, I'll vouch for your people through a blood oath and I'll let you in. Zarozoendoxos. A lot of X's in there. Triple X almost. The, the quote-unquote richest man in cards. Quote-unquote. And then, of course, Littlefinger is talking about the siege with Renly. And Marjorie's kind of fighting back with his questions. So he goes to Caitlyn and he's like, she's like, I don't even want to look at you. And he's like, yeah, well, Lannisters want to trade Sansa and Arya for Jaime. As a gesture of goodwill, here's uh, Ned's remains. So Renly and, and fully knowing they don't even, they don't even know where Arya is right now. Exactly. So Renly and Caitlin, they do the parlay with Stannis and Melisandre. Renly refuses Stannis's offer to surrender in exchange for becoming his heir, and they're like you've got until sunrise or be destroyed. So at night, he did not even have until sunrise. <laughs> he did not. At night, Stannis orders Davos to take Melisandre ashore in secret. And then she reveals that she's in late state pregnancy and gives birth to a shadow monster. Yeah. When, when they're, like, walking on shore and she's like, you you like me, you want me, you want to see what's underneath this. Well, you'll get to see it. And I'm like, well, they're going to do it? Like, no, she's going to just go from fine to ten months pregnant and having a baby <laughs> in the next ten seconds. The red lady knows what's up. By the way, I have several friends who are on Team Melisandre. I don't trust her, but I'd hit that. <laughs> but the same could be said for about 95% yeah. of women on the show. I was so. just like, that's the whole show. That's the whole show. <laughs> I don't trust her, but I'd tap it. <laughs> Every woman listening's like, typical male. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Every well, woman for them, it's the other way around. I don't trust them, but I'd tap it. Yeah. Yeah, but every woman listening to this show is probably already very familiar with Eric and I's personality, so this is not groundbreaking revelations in any way, shape, or form. We didn't exactly hide who we were at Interventions. No, we didn't. Actually we accelerated it and that's how that's how all the fun began. Yeah, I, we really did play off each other very well. People still talk about... To this day, people still tell me how much fun they had when we were working together. Throwing Paul and Josh and Nolan, it was even more fun. We were we were the four horsemen of interventions. Everything broke when we were around. Some of that was intentional. Because we broke it, yeah. <laughs> it's because we broke it. <clears throat> Remember, I, I was dri we were driving somewhere, and you're just like, Hey, Chris, we're in a machine right now. Together, I'm like, Eric, this is my fucking car. So whatever you're going to say next, you're not going to say it. <laughs> I'm not playing this game, Eric. Finger slipped. My, oops, my finger slipped. Yeah, no. <laughs> Goddamn Bart Simpson bastard. Like, yeah, I was just like, it's the first time we've been in, a, in something together where it hasn't broken. Just, just, just stop. <laughs> and thank goodness for that. <laughs> I'm never getting on a boat with you. I'm never getting on a plane with you. I'm never getting on a train with you. <laughs> you imagine. It's just like, hey, what do you think this button does? Well, that's nice. pressurizes the cabin and kills everybody. Great. Now it's negative 40 degrees in here, Eric. Thanks. That's actually what happens if the cabin depressurizes, by the way. 
It drops to negative 40 because that's usually what the temperature is outside. Why would you want that? You know, if you stay attached to your seat. That's why they have the seatbelt sign. Ding! Keep your damn seatbelt on. All right. Important shit's happening. This is the ghost of Harrenhal. So Renly and Caitlin are negotiating their alliance, and the shadow creature shows up and just friggin' murders Renly. And the only person who witnessed this is Brienne. So she's immediately the one who gets blamed for it, and she has to slay Renly's guards. Two more, two, two more king's guards. Yes. And that's when Brienne of Tarth swears allegiance to Catelyn Stark. <clears throat> and she's like, I will not interfere with your vengeance against Stannis Baratheon. Loras also blames Stannis, but Littlefinger and Marjorie convince him to get the hell out of here. So he does. Of course, Stannis arrives, his dead brothers. They immediately swear to him. And following Davos' advice, the blood magic is not used for the king's landing assault. So Stannis is just like, all right, Davos... Why don't you lead the fleet? And Davos is like, ah, uh, yeah, I don't do war. It's like, well, you're gonna. You're gonna learn. This was proven to be a mistake. <laughs> uh, this is proven to be a big mistake when we get to that. So, of course, in King's Landing, we got Tyrion. He's learning that la- from Lancel that Cersei is stockpiling the flammable wildfire, the green flames of death. Flame! And he's got this, this just this huge stockpile of it. It was how they, uh, the Targaryens kept their power after the dragons were gone. Yep. So, Joffrey's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to catapult this to Stannis' forces. <clears throat> and Bronn's like, well, that's a dumb idea. Because some of it's going to get on your troops, and you're going to burn your own troops. Oh, is this the that. season where you get one of my favorite quotes on the whole show? Oh, yeah, it's what because they're trying to give Joffrey the whores. And he's like, do you think dipping his stick is will be what ails him? And... Bronn says my favorite quote in the entire series, which is, there's no cure for being a cunt. And that might be my favorite Game of Thrones quote of all time. God, I love that quote so much. But tell me, tell me he's wrong. So, of course, we... (laughs) Yeah, you can't, exactly. So, Theon's supposed to lead the charge, but nobody's got respect for him. He's like, you need to win... one ship and they're supposed to take some fishing village. Yes. But nobody <laughs> likes him because he was been gone all this time. But his best mate is like, you know what's nearby there? Oh, this one place and then over there, there nearby there? Yeah, that's, that's Winterfell. right. That's Winterfell. That's Winterfell. And he fully knows, well, I have enough men to take it, but I don't have enough men to hold it. So we have to get word out to my father as soon as possible to bring reinforcements. Yes. And then I'll be a hero. This was proven to be a mistake. <laughs> That's going to be the theme that goes on here. Yeah, because as soon as they get word that they're under attack, Bran immediately sends the defenders out. And then he's like, hey, Osha, uh, I have dreams that feature a three-eyed raven. She's like, well, that's nonsense. <laughs> you will later find out that this was not nonsense. <laughs> You also get the Fist of the First Men with the old Night Watch here. Core in half hand. He's like, the Wildlings are actually organized and they're pretty dangerous because there's that Mance Raider again. 
And John's like, well, there's a watch post. Let's go take it the hell out. This is proven to be a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, uh, Danny's holding court. The dragons are growing, and then here comes this friggin' warlock that... This guy, I don't know who this actor is and if this was acting or not, but he looks like he died and someone forgot to tell him. He's definitely a creep looking. Go to the house of the undying. And of course, there's the mass character that never comes back. They're like, there are dangers of facing Daenerys. Is she really only in, in two episodes? Uh, don't think so. Uh, I think she might appear more, but I don't remember. But she's not, like, an ongoing thing. That's one of the things that comes out of Game of Thrones where you're like, what happened with that character? Well, Jorah's like, Danny, you're going to win the Iron Throne for yourself. And she's like, that's a good idea. So the guy wants to marry her. Yes. And And he will give her half of the riches in his vault. This would prove it to be... A fucking lie. (laughs) And then, last thing we're going to talk about in this episode is at Harnhal, Tywin's like, Arya, you're from the North. He still doesn't know who her identity is, but he knows she's a Northerner. And then here comes the man of many faces as a Lannister guardsman. And he's like, you've got three lies for saving me. You speak the name and a man will kill them. And there's somebody called the Tickler. And it's she's the guy that does the questioning. Yep, and he's the first one. Life debt has been paid. So it's like, well, son of a bitch. Yeah, and they just like find him on the ground in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> he's dead. Crazy. <laughs> All righty. <clears throat> so, real quick. Before we continue on with the show here, our uh, wonderful guest, Mark, we're going to wrap him up before we finish up here. Uh, Mark has been kind enough to stick with us here. I know he's got something, some things to attend to. So, yeah, sorry, guys. That's okay, bud. That's all good. So before you leave, Mark, uh, really quickly, I just want to get one final thing out of you because this is very, very important. You're a big comic book guy. Marvel or DC? Uh, I mean, just to show you how big of a like comic book person I am, uh, are you asking like movies, comic books to read? Like, what are you asking me for? Well, do you do you favor one over the other? And if you do, in what mediums do you favor them over? Um, if I'm gonna read a comic book, I I've definitely read more DC comics. Um. Like, for ongoing series, I never really had, like, an ongoing Marvel comic subscription. For those, I did the graphic novels. Now, um, yeah, like, reading-wise, it's DC, but I would consider myself more of a Marvel fan just as far as, like, movies, TV shows, um, just overall fandom is probably more Marvel. But I, I definitely enjoy reading, let's see, like, Superman, Aquaman... Booster Gold, um, Nightwing. So, yeah. Do you have a favorite superhero overall? Oh, man. 
It's a tough one, isn't it? Is um, I guess I gotta go. Um, I Spider Man, uh, the Peter Parker one. I just that world. You meet uh, Miles Morales is a fun read. When Stacy's a fun read, like just even the like spinoffs are fun reads. Um, so and I just I love Spider Man artwork. Whenever I go to conventions, I, I like I feel like that's always the artwork I have to like tell myself where are you gonna put it. I don't have enough room, so I guess I gotta go Spider Man. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right, but I wasn't gonna let you go without asking you the million dollar question because you're yeah, you're I, one of the biggest superhero guys I know. Yeah, I, like I said, I I love reading DC. It's so much fun, but um, Marvel, like, I definitely I just actually got into Marvel Unlimited, which is their um, like app comic book. So I just signed up for that because they had a great deal there. So I'm getting into some of the like '80s storylines right now in some of the Marvel world. So Marvel's Marvel's getting me into reading more. There you go. All right. Well, it was a pleasure having you at the nerd table. I would love to have you back. Feel free to come back. Please. We've, I mean, we didn't we didn't even scrape the surface of the things we could have you, you chat about here. Oh, yeah. We'll definitely do this again. It was fun. Appreciate right. it, you all. As as always, you know, you gave us our first home at United We Fan the podcast, so. We'll definitely get you back over there. And I always yeah. knew you were going to be a good podcaster. You always, you always had that personality for it. And I was like, Mark needs to do a podcast because he'll, he'll have fun doing it and people will listen. Uh, before you go, throw out some plugs. Uh, United We Fan the podcast. It's streaming on all podcast platforms, wherever you listen to it. Um, check us out on Facebook. Check us out on Instagram. I've started doing this great thing where um, I've started reaching out to a lot of artists. So I love supporting artists. We get, um, let's see, Fidel, John, Julia. They've done artwork for some of our posters that we use on Instagram. And I tag the crap out of it. I let them know, hey, look, I'm going to promote you as an artist because I love supporting artists. Um, even our good friend Justin Dye, who's got a new album coming out, he did – the intro music for our YouTube show that we do and even a couple other friends. So that's one thing I love. If you're an artist and you want to get your artwork out there, reach out to us on Instagram um, or Facebook. We would love to talk about how we can help each other out. United We Fan, our recent one, we did a kind of our ranking of James Bond, different topics, the world of James Bond. Before that, you know, we do fun episodes where we talked about we went from head to toe talking about um, entertainment clothing. So we did like what was our favorite hat. And I know it sounds like a weird topic, but it was actually a lot of fun. Um, oh, I could get in on we that. We touch on yeah, – uh, I mean, believe it or not, pants was a challenging one. <laughs> For me, I feel – Pants hat, suck! The hat you – know, hat was easy because, of course, I did indie. And then the shoes, spoiler alert, we did uh, Marty McFly's <laughs> Nike's. So, but, and then, you know, we do other, like, more up-to-date things. We talked about Ted Lasso. That's a popular episode we did. We did a huge, epic two-part 
Carter, Indiana Jones, where we had a good friend of the show, Matt, who's huge into Indiana Jones history and cosplay, so that way we could promote cosplaying and love for that. Is Raiders um, your favorite yeah, we, movie of all time? Do... Raiders of the Lost Ark is still my favorite movie of all time, okay. and I, I, I do enjoy Indiana Jones 4, and I am excited for Indiana Jones 5. There you go. Well, thank yeah. you very much for being on the show. Like I said, we haven't even scraped the surface. We will have you back, buddy, anytime you want. And, of course, you want to check out United We Fan. There's tons of ways to check them out. Mark just mentioned them all. Support your local artists. And thank you very much, sir. We look forward to you coming back. Thank you, guys. And keep the chats going. I can't wait to hear what I missed out on. Oh, yeah. Well, you'll, you'll hear it when you tune into this episode. Yeah. Thank all you, guys. Right. You were all were amazing. Thank you. Thank you, yeah. bud. All right. So that was Mark Adams from United We Fan. We appreciate him coming on here. Like I said, he and I go back to the wizarding world in disaster. We have tons of stories. Didn't even scratch the surface here, but we're going to end the show by finishing up uh, Game of Thrones season two. Well, you two. know, Mark just left, and if you also need a, chance, need a reason to leave, call our friend Adrian Cotton. Dude, yes! Perfect plug! <laughs> yes! Dan with the fucking win. (laughs) Emersoncotton.intelletravel.com. Motivational vacations. You book through CKCC Radio. You can get yourself a three-day, two-night getaway for free after you book your first vacation. And remember, you don't pay anything for this service because it's all based on commission. So there's no reason not to use it. Adrian Cotton... We thank him. He's, he gave us our awesome theme song, which I've gotten some really positive feedback for. I really, people really like it. It's cool having an original theme song just for us. Emersoncotton.teletravel.com. Link in the description. Dan, that was fucking great. That was a great plug. <laughs> that was better than any plug I've done on the, so far. I love it. We're, we got to have Eric throw the plug out next week and just come out of nowhere. <laughs> Eric's just like, you know what? Fuck Michigan. <laughs> I'm gonna go travel. <laughs> there are ways to do that, buddy. All right, the old gods and the new. Let's get this wrapped up here so we can wrap up for the night. But we got to talk about season two. So Theon has taken Winterfell, and he's like, "Hey, Bran, I'm not gonna hurt anybody here." And Sir Roderick spits on him. So they're like, "Well, you're gonna have to execute him." And this is the ugliest fucking execution in the history of executions. It takes him four hacks and a kick. Ugh, it's so terrible. But it does the thing, he has, like, the two different people advising him, right? Ugh. Telling him to do different things. Theon has and some... no. Yeah. He has to make his father proud of him. Yes. He's gotta make daddy proud. Well, guess what? You fucking up every time you make, try to make your dad proud. <laughs> And Osha's like, I'm going to seduce Theon so we can, so I can get free. And then she escapes with Hodor, Bran, Rickon, and the wolves. They get the hell out of Winterfell. Now Rob's flirting with this field nurse. And Caitlin is like, wait a minute, hold on. You are Lady Talisa Major? Or Major from the Free City? And that's what's getting Rob's attention? She's like, uh, no, 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 hold on a second. You are going to marry Walder Frey's daughter. But it's, you get your choice. 
you get a choice, but that's what you're supposed to do. But that all gets thrown on the side because here comes the news that Theon has betrayed. He's betrayed the Starks and he executed Sir Roderick. So Rob's like, well, that's it. I'm going to recapture Winterfell. And Roose Bolton's like, hey, you know what? You lose what you gained against the Lannisters. So how about this? I've got a bastard. Let me send him out. Get the forces left at the stronghold. Rob's like, all right, but take Theon alive. I would like to personally execute him. Meanwhile, the expedition beyond the wall finds Wildling Watchposts and they kill all of them except for a redhead named Egret. John just can't kill her. Come to regret. (laughs) Jesus Christ. You're on a fucking roll. This guy this guy ate his winkies this morning. Do you know that story? The winky story? No. My my old wrestling promoter, Johnny Glitter, who infamously botched words. Oh yeah. And he cut he cut a promo and he was talking about how he doesn't eat his Wheaties like he's supposed to, but he said Winkies on the live microphone. And everybody looked around like, what? And then John Salinas just broke character and started giggling because he couldn't help himself. He was supposed to say Wheaties, but it came out Winkies. Yeah, Winky the House Elf. That's what he's talking about. He ate Winky the House Elf. Who's Winky the House Elf? Yeah, she watched the movies. Yeah, I don't know who that is. Winky actually did really good in my worst character tournament. She was doing really good for a while. So yeah, so John can't kill the redhead. Now, do you know Dan that Rose Leslie, who plays Egret, is John is uh, Kit Harrington's real life wife? Yes. Okay. So it kind of makes their any of the on screen chemistry they have actually makes it pretty intriguing. So, of course, she escapes. John captures her and gets separated. So, it's just the two of them. They're out in the middle of nowhere. And they're going to freeze to death. And she's like, hey, how about we use our body warmth together? (laughs) Yeah. Yes. And then she wakes him up the next morning talking about his boner. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, they spooned. Meanwhile, Marcella gets sent to Dorne to do the marriage alliance with the Martell house. And Joffrey gets struck in the face with bullshit. Literal bullshit. Yeah, I thought like some major shit was going to happen here, but then it's a... And then nothing, Tyrion... Nothing, nothing major happens during this. But the gif of Tyrion slapping Joffrey has gone viral, so... Yeah, he slapped the shit out of him. And now I have struck the king. (laughs) (laughs) And Sansa nearly gets gang raped. But the hound is the one that rescues her. Of course. Slowly turning face. Now Tywin is just sick and tired of his men being shitty. And he realizes that Arya can actually read. Which contradicts her false identity. And then here comes Littlefinger. So she's like, well, I better hide my face because he might recognize me. And then Lorch catches Arya with the stolen war orders concerning Rob. But she still gets away. And she's like, Jockin, you've got to take your second life. So as Sir Amory... It has to be now. has to be now. Yep. 
And right as he goes in to expose her to Tywin, he gets a poison dart to the neck. And if you look at the little markings on the dart, you'll see that it's a Camino dart. Oh, yes, from those uh, cloners. Yeah. Those, da- those, those damn cloners again. Depends upon how big your pocketbook is. Meanwhile, Danny has a very disturbing revelation when she realizes that members of her, her guards, her handmaiden, they're all dead and the dragons have been stolen. So, shit's about to go down in Karth. And the other handmaiden has been seen as well. That takes us to A Man Without Honor. Where Sansa awakens from a nightmare. She's had her first period, which means she can now bear children. And the See, ha- I thought that, that, was, uh, that she hadn't had her first period was bullshit from earlier in the first season. Because when she gets asked about it, she looks at her mother like, shit, should I tell the truth or not? No, she looks at her mother because she doesn't know what the hell that is. And that's when the Hound sees it. And Cersei's like... Oh, yeah, they're they're trying to cover it up, her and Shay, but then the other girl sees it, and she takes off, and she gets shaded, run her down. Yep. And then she comes back, and the Hound's there. Like, yep. Shit. Well, son of a bitch. And, and Cersei's like, listen, you're not going to love Joffrey, but at least you'll have kids, and you can love them. Yeah, for such a, like... Evil bitch. Even like there's time where she's just being outright mean to to, to Sansa, which is like kind of telling the way it is. Yeah, he's a pretty like, chill dude. You're gonna you're gonna end up hating the king, but you know what? You'll love your children, and that'll be the most important thing anyway. So, and Tyrion's like, you know. He's not going to be able to take out Stannis' fleet. And Cersei's like, well, you know what? He is punishment because I had incest with Jamie." Meanwhile, Jon's just like, hey, Gret, uh, life with me would be way better than the wildlings. And she's like, whatever, you're a virgin. <laughs> it's basically how that goes down. And then she escapes, of course. And when Jon finds her, she's got backup. Yep, it's the classic where he thinks he's been leading her around this entire time, but she's yep. been leading him around. She's been leading him. So Tywin is like, hey, Mountain, find Lorch's killer. The murder was actually an attempt on my life. So, of course, while he's dining with Arya, he realizes you're highborn. You should probably hide that status a little more carefully. You, you don't get anything past Tywin Lannister. He knows his shit. He's a smart old bastard. Of course. He was t- saying, like, my father was like a, a stonemason and stuff. Like, oh, I don't know any stonemasons that know how to read. Well, how many stonemasons do you know? <laughs> exactly. And he's like, hey, you don't talk back. Rob learns of the uh, unfavorable reply for peace terms. The prisons are full, so he's like, ah, screw it, put Alton with Jamie. And then to Tal- proof to be a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> and then Talisa's like, you know what? I'll go with you to get medical supplies. So in order to draw the jailer, Jamie just murders him. Then he strangles the jailer. Then he gets recaptured. 
by the Karstarks. He's like, I want your head. You murdered my son. And Catelyn's like, no, 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 no. We're not going to do this. We need Rob back. And then she's like, you know what? You're a man without honor. And Jamie's like, you know what? This is all contradictory to the shit that I vowed as a knife. And that's when Catelyn's like, Brienne, give me your sword. Shit's going to go down. Of course, Danny's having some uh, difficulty trusting Zaro. He's like, I didn't take the dragons. And then Jorah confronts that Quilth, or Quaith, or however the hell you say some of these names. The person who stole the dragons is with Daenerys. So at a meeting at the 13, here comes Pyat Pri, the freaky, creepy emperor. Friggin' Palpatine over here. And he's like, the dragons are in the house of the undying. And that's when Zaro's like, yeah, well, I'm king of Karth. And Pri's like, yeah, well, I'm gonna multiply myself and kill all of you. And that's exactly what he does, creepy-ass warlock. He murders the 13. Well, murders 11 of them. Yeah, 11 of them, right. (laughs) Almost got him. Meanwhile, of course, Theon freaks out when he realizes that all the important people fled. And Maester Lewin's like, I wouldn't do this if I were you. So he's following the trail. He's like, there's evidence the Starks have been here at this farm. So Theon reveals charred remains of children. Which, of course, you're supposed to believe, or he's trying to make them believe it's Bran and Rickon. But Theon, of course, is starting to have some remorse. And that's all going to come back. That takes us to Prince of Winterfell, almost at the end here. So, of course, you've got the uh, the old texts, and Tyrion and Bronn are planning a defense of King's Landing. And then he's accused of plotting to kill Joffrey. So Cersei's just like, I'm going to kidnap your whore, but she gets Roz instead of Shay. She gets the wrong whore. Takes the wrong whore. And Joffrey's inexperience and arrogance... Makes Tyrion really fear- fearful of this. And that's when Varys shows up. He's like, by the way, Danny's alive with the three dragons. So it's a lot worse than you think. He's like, well, one one thing at a time. <laughs> yeah, one thing at a time. All right? Stannis is coming. I need to do this first. Stannis is going to be here tonight. <laughs> so Stannis and Davos are reminiscing about the rebellion of Robert. And Stannis is like, you know, Renly was given Storm's End. I defended that place for, like, months or whatever with, like, 20 men. And And then my brother gives it to my younger brother. So you know what? What happened, because he was my brother and he was the king. Yes. But you know what, Davos? When I take the Iron Throne, you're going to be my hand. Cool. Cool. Uh, Tywin is getting ready to go face Rob's army. And Arya can't find... Or is he? (laughs) And Arya can't find Jock and Hagar to kill Tywin. So she's just like, all right, f- screw it. Just help me escape. So, kills the castle guards. And he's like, okay, then kill yourself. And he's like, unname me. <laughs> that whole part <laughs> was awesome. Yeah. But Arya, Gendry, and Hot Pie do escape. That was cool. He killed, like, all the guards. Pretty much. So they just walk out. They oh, just walk out God. the front door. How are we going to escape? We're going to walk out the front door. That's never going to work. 
He said, wait till midnight and walk out the front door. <laughs> It'll never work. <laughs> Spoiler, it worked. <laughs> this would prove to be successful. So, of course, Rob comes back and he discovers that Jamie's escaped. Or has he? Uh, Bri- Brienne is escorting him to King's Landing as a trade for Sansa and Arya. And then Rob is like, yep, you fucked up, Mom, you're under guard. And then Roos is like, hey, my bastard son is nearing Winterfell. And Rob is like, I want mercy to be shown to any Ironborn except Theon. Persuade Theon's men to betray him. And then he has a long conversation with the nurse. And he's like, I don't want to marry Walder Frey's daughter. And she's like, okay, well, let's do this instead. And they fuck. Right there in the tent. Ah, that's right. You get to meet the old gods and the new. (laughs) You get to meet the Lord of Bones in this one. The guy's just covered in bones. Yeah, dude. And Egret's like, you need to spare his life. Because Mance Raider will want to meet Eddard Stark's bastard himself. Well, I already have one Raven. I don't need two. I, only have, I already have one Crow. I don't need two. Is that right? Yep. They get in the fight and he kills him. Kills him. He's like, you have to defect to Mance's army to learn his plans. So you have to do this. You have to kill me. And he does. And then Sam and Gren discover there's a Night's Watch cloak. It's got a strange horn, and it's got dragon glass. Ooh, what is dragon glass? We shall find out. A ton of dragon glass daggers. Holy shit, there's so many of them. And then Danny's like, I'm not fleeing without my dragons, and Jorah's like, fine, I'll take you there. More on that in the next episode. And then Theon's like, kill the messenger ravens to conceal Bran and Rickon's deaths. And then Yara shows up. She's like, you need to come home. He's like, I'm not leaving Winterfell. Dan, say it with me. <laughs> the un- <True>. not le- <laughs> uh, And that's when Maester Lewin discovers Bran and Rickon are alive. <clears throat> and even yeah, because deduce- he, yeah, he sees Osha pop into town real quick. Yep. And he realizes that, yep, he burned some farm boys and convinced them that they were the others, and Bran hears that one. So, all right, two to go. Let's get these done. Blackwater. Ah, oh, this is a good one. So, here's how Blackwater goes down. Davos is leading the fleet into Blackwater Bay. And Grandmaster... There's no ships here. There's no ships. Grandmaster Pycelle's like, here, take this poison. If Stannis takes the city, you're going to want this. Outside the Red Keep, you got Braun, and he's got you got the Hound. They got their tension going, and then the bells. Yeah, they almost, fight. they almost fight. Almost fight, but the bells hit. Stannis's fleet's been spotted, and Varys gives Tyrion a map. He's like, "Look, there's a bunch of tunnels beneath King's Landing," and they're like, "Joffrey, you got to lead your men like a hero here." So he takes the forces from the Red Keep. He's like, "Sansa, you got to kiss my sword." So I'm going to use it, and I'm going to slay Rob with it. Yeah, and then he's like, yeah, and then when I'm done with the battle, you're going to kiss it again. Then I'm going to kill your brother with it, and you're going to kiss it with his blood on it. be all gross and stuff. Pretty much, yeah. Because I'm fucked up. 
So they, they hide all the noble ladies and the children. They got Sir Ilian Payne to watch them. And Cersei gets drunk and makes fun of Sansa. She's like, you know, if the city falls, you're going to get raped. Yeah, but she also kind of, like, tells it like it is, too. It's, like, yeah. a mix of, like, her fucking with her and straighten up with her. That's why Cersei is not as hateable as some of the other characters, but you still don't like her. You don't like her because she is telling the truth. I mean, I, I get that. All right, so let's let's get this one wrapped up here. So, like, Lancel, get Joffrey to safety. And Joffrey's like, no. Uh, actually, yeah, you take command. Tyrion gets the defenders. They tunnel the map. They flank the Baratheons. Lancel's like, get the king back in battle. And then I love Cer- that. When he comes through and he gets the guy, and then they all come in and they, go, they, they, they defeat him and they start doing it, and then all of a sudden the other guy's coming and he's like, oh, shit. <laughs> oh, fuck me. Yeah, oh, shit. <laughs> so the surprise Baratheon forces get taken down. Tyrion gets slashed. He's going to have an iconic scar from here on out. Yeah, dude, right across the face, man. Yeah, and then Tyrion's squire, Podrick, old Podrick, he gets a kill. And then meanwhile, Cersei's got Tommen on the throne, and she's like, here's the story of the mother lion and the little cub. And she's going to poison him so he dies. He doesn't have to see what comes happen. But the door's open, and it's... It's daddy. Dad. Yep. Son of a bitch. And then you realize they just motherfucked Tyrion. Yeah, they did. Stannis is like, you gotta stand their ground. Because Tyrion is the fucking hero of this battle. And all the credit's gonna go to Tywin. Yep. Alright, let's get the last episode out of here, because Eric and I both gotta sign off in a minute here, so let's let's quickly recap this one. Tywin gets named Hand of the King. Littlefinger gets Harrenhal. Loras is like, hey, Joffrey, how about you take Marjorie? And Cersei and Pysel are like, that's a good idea. And then Littlefinger's just like, I'll get you home, Sansa. And she's like, nope, not leaving. They conveniently let him break his vow. Yes, very conveniently. Well, you see, the gods blessed it before he was a traitorous bastard. (laughs) And they will forgive you and give it to you and let you. Okay. Okay. But Varys has a plot. He's going to undermine Littlefinger. And then Tyrion realizes he has no allies left except for Podrick. And he learns that Cersei was behind the attempt on his life. Bronn's no longer captain of the City Watch. And then Shay's like, how about we leave for Pentos? He's like, nope. Dan, say it. This will, well, I don't know. <laughs> oh, it will. I mean, it will. It will. This will prove to be a mistake. Although uh, I don't know of it yet. <laughs> Stannis tries to strangle the Red Lady for his defeat. But relents because he re- realizes that her involvement in Renly's death, and he's just like, all right, I have divine visions now, so here's my faith in you. Of course, Jamie's getting escorted to King's Landing. Brienne finds these three women. They got lynched. And then she kills them. She buries them. And she's like, remember, Jamie, I serve Catelyn, not House Stark. 
And then Rob is like, I love this nurse. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna marry Walter Frey's daughter. And Catelyn's like, this is not a good idea, but Rob marries her anyway. Of course, under siege, Theon rejects Lewin's advice to leave for the Night's Watch. He's like, no, John will kill me. I can't do that. Because Theon's like, I'm going to narry my men. But he gets knocked out and he gets brought to the Bolton forces. Yeah, he does the huge speech. Yeah, does not go anywhere. And then the guy just knocks him out. I'm like, I thought it was a pretty good speech. I thought I would let him go for a bit. Uh, And that's when Lewin and his dying breath, he's like, get, flee to the wall. And Osha's like... Alrighty, uh, here's a mercy kill for you. So, <clears throat> of course, we've got uh, fleeing Heron Hall here. Arya, Gendry, and Hot Pie are surprised by jockeying. And he's like, you know what? Arya, I could train you in my abilities. And she's like, no, I got to find my family. He's like, well, here's a special coin. And it says, Valor... Morgulis on it. Yeah, he says, if you ever find any of my people and you want you want to see me, give him this coin and say this to them. Yep. And, and then he turns he... around and turns back and he has a different face! Yep, he's a face changer. But good, uh, shit goes down in Karth now. So, of course, the magic is stranding these people outside the House of the Undying, so Danny's trapped within. Get these strings. That was cool. They go around the circle, and she just disappears. Yeah. And he comes back upon the other, the, this rocky guy. He's like, yeah, damn it. <laughs> and he gets behind her. He binds her up, and then she orders the dragons to breathe. Yeah, the their one, fire. the one thing she's taught them so far. Yep. You breathe fire on command, and they burn that little creep to death. And then because of how hot the fire is, all their trains break. And then she finds Zara's in bed with Doria. And she's like, well, here's a cool empty vault for me to seal you in. Well, let me steal all your stuff. Oh, there's nothing in there. Well, funny that. Well, now you're in here. And that's where she locks him in to leave him to die. They loot the house and they buy a ship. Everything was fake. Well, this looks real enough. Exactly. Then, of course, we have John doing the kill to convince that the wildlings he's defective. And he's promised a meeting with Mance Raider. And then you have Ed, Gren, and Sam. They're here at the Three Horn Blast, which means White Walkers. So Ed and Gren flee. Holy and shit, Sam. Yeah. Sam is just surrounded by whites. There's like two or three of them, but it's all the zombies with them. Yeah, and then there's a white walker, and they see him. And looks, and the baby looked at me. <laughs> <laughs> and they just go right by him. And they're like, yep, we're at it. We outie. And that's how season two ended. So thoughts overall on season two. It didn't feel as put together as season one was. Like, season one was just, like, one overarching story that comes together at the end. This was like a, um, well, we only have ten episodes. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's, but, but that's also part of where Game of Thrones goes here is 
there's a lot of overarching stories that happen because there's so many characters. Because yeah, it feels like the first season was book one, but like this was like half a book two. Uh, it may have been actually. If I'm not, I'm not yeah, 100% sure. Yeah, that's the way it kind of felt. Yeah, I mean, there's so much shit that goes down, and there, like I said, there are characters who will die on the show, and are still alive in the books, which is also funny because not only like. It's like, oh, well, that book just haven't come out yet. It's like, yeah, but they died a while ago on the show. They're still alive in the book. And some characters don't even exist. I think a lot of the big things I remember changing is like Lysa Aaron's son's name is Robin, but he's Robert in the book. And there's another character they changed that was another Robert because there's just like 100 Roberts. So they simplified it. <clears throat> I know Talicia doesn't exist in the book. It's a different girl. I don't remember the character name. She was made up exclusively for the show. And I'm trying to remember what some of the other major changes. I haven't read the book, so I'm going off of uh, stuff that I've pretty much been told. But like, I'm, I can't reveal any characters who are still alive until you watch them die. <laughs> and then I can tell you if they're still alive or not. Play a little Portal song for that. Still alive. But yeah, so the uh, so what what did you think of this season finale with the White Walkers? Where you realized yeah, with the White Walkers, yeah, like that's pretty great. That that's a finale moment, yes. Yeah, because there's just and there's it's... also when John overlooks and it's like the fucking city, dude. Yeah, that's a city north of the wall. <laughs> yeah, far north of the wall. The wildlings have a whole friggin' system. They've become organized. That's a big deal. It's not so. just little tribes here and there. That's a full-ass city. Full-ass city. So, yeah, a, a lot a lot of good coming out of this. Now, season three, I, if I'm trying... I don't remember if I have, like, an overall favorite season. But season three has a lot of very, very big, big moments in it. And... I know that's got a big finale moment too. That's that's actually pretty cool. But some some very famous moments of Game of Thrones happen in season three, so that is something very important to to take note of. And there's one specific episode that is really really good and really really intense and i thought it was in season three but i actually believe it's season four yeah it actually is uh it actually is season four okay so i'm uh we're not there yet but yeah there's some season three and season four have some very very famous uh very, very famous moments that happen. So you will you will see you might know a couple of them when you see it. But there you go. Alright, good. So good review here. Uh so thank you guys for tuning in. We're gonna go ahead and wrap up now. We went a little long. Mark had to duck out early. Uh, Eric had to duck out to walk the dog. So it's just Dan and I sitting at the nerd table now. So now we're just we're just talking bullshit at this point. But thank you guys for all of your awesome support. Check out our sponsor. Thank you to our wonderful patrons at patreon.com slash club kayfabe. Check, check it out today. You can join for $5 a month and get to hear me rant about stuff. 
Uh, we have a couple of patron-exclusive shows now. Dan and I did a pro wrestling roster draft where we drafted our ultimate WWE roster. And I haven't checked the follow-up on that to see what people wanted us to do next. Have you? We had a couple well, options I there. Know, I, know, I know you posted a poll or something, and I have not looked. Uh, the all-women's show is what people want us to do next. That's the, the popular decision. They want us to draft our all-women's roster based on active female performers. We can do that. We can scour through the ranks here and pull up some uh, some good ones. We just have to set the parameters first. How many active wrestlers will we have? Who will we make into tag teams? Who's going to work as an official? Who's going to be trainers? Who do we want in the commentary booth, etc.? We'll have roles for for lots of people involved. We might actually have to just pull up like a list of women's wrestlers who are still alive and maybe work off of that. You're a bit more, you are a bit more versed in women's wrestling than I am. So you're going to have a lot more say in a lot of the unknown independence, but we should probably make a developmental roster for that too. Because I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna draft everybody. I'm not gonna draft a whole bunch of main roster talent directly out of Shimmer and Stardom and all that. But I have a feeling I'm gonna want to take a look at people. So, uh, hopefully by next week, I'll have a review of Eastern State Penitentiary for you guys. I'll have a review of the new James Bond movie, which I'm planning to go see. And we can talk about that Muppets Haunted Mansion they just released. And there was a lot of other stuff I wanted to hype up, like the Agatha show, but we kind of ran out of time here. So we'll put that all for next week's episode. Any final thoughts? Uh, I saw an old advertisement for using Skippy peanut butter and Hellman's mayonnaise at the same time from the 70s. Uh, that's a that's not something to go out on. Ugh. No. Jeez. <laughs> Alright. Here's the deal, guys. If you're gonna mix peanut butter with anything, mix it with chocolate, make it a Reese's cup, and have fun. But dear God. Hellman's mayonnaise and peanut butter sounds awful. But thank y'all. Uh, we can talk about Sora and in, in uh Smash Brothers. There's so much to talk about, but we'll have to get to some of that stuff next week. So, give you guys something to look forward to. Thank you all for tuning in, and we'll see you next time at the Nerd Table. This has been another episode of the Nerd Table on CKCC Radio. Check out all the shows at CKCCRadio.com and make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode.